I'll have what she's having. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Hallelujah! Holy shit! Am I getting through to you? Hey, hey Sal, how can I get the books up on the wall here? Back to his protected world of wealth and privilege. Yes, but can he ever really go back? People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Welcome, everyone, to a special bonus edition of Voices and Visions and the Directors Club for the yearly tradition of reminiscing and re-evaluating a particular year in film. This is a fun endeavor that we started uh, four or five years ago. Four years. 2015. Okay, true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so four years ago. And we plan to continue all the way up until 1999, and we go back 30 years as always. Which brings us to 1989. And of course, I could not embark on this journey through an entire year alone. With me are the returning champions, both members of the Chicago Film Critics Association, regular contributors to WGN Radio, the clever Colin Suter. Hello, thank you. And a host of Movie Madness, the electrifying Eric Childress. Electrifying, I like that. Yeah. Well, I'm a host of something too that's on your tr- on your true. show now. That's on true. Your little thing. He's a tremendous slouch. <laughs> yes. Let's let's talk about that real quick. Christmas uh, movies, actually. Yeah. Right. We got that sucker going now. Um, me and Carrie Finnegan hosted, and we just talk about Christmas movies once a month. And maybe when we get towards the end of the year, we'll do more episodes uh, during yeah. the season. So, yeah, you Colin's should. podcast is more focused than mine. <laughs> same, same with me. So, guys, 1989. It was another a year. summer. Yeah. yeah, one crazy summer. No, <laughs> the uh, year my uh, grade school graduation. Oh, it's 89. So, well, that's sweet. so 89. It's not really sweet, but oh. whatever. <laughs> it's nice. It's a yeah, thing. It is. Yeah. I was yeah. in high school. It's a particular memorable year. Oh, yeah. 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 I was in high school at the time, uh, a, jun- a sophomore, then a junior, um, and hmm. working at a movie theater all year. Well, that's so great. you'll hear me during this episode a lot saying, Yeah, we had that at my theater. So, and I apologize ahead of time if that gets annoying, but it's <laughs> it, luckily it was only a four screen theater. So. And we got a lot of Disney stuff. Ah, uh, so. yes. When I worked at the theater, I think Space Jam was playing. So that's way ahead. That's okay. like that's ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Space I, Jam Two is coming out. Uh, what? Yeah, with LeBron. Uh, yep. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I never have to hear that R. Kelly song ever again. Actually, there's a movie we'll be talking about on this uh, with, from the director of Space Jam. Hmm. I don't know what. That I hope is. I got that right. You might have to edit that out. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. Uh, let's see what, what what memorable events happened in 1989. I think instead of an you know of having an idiot insist that we put up a wall, uh, Berlin took down a wall in 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tipper Gore went after two live crew, and now we have explicit content on uh, CDs. Not that CDs are being sold anymore in this day and age. Um, uh, Nintendo released the Game Boy. Ted Bundy was executed, and a television show called The Simpsons premiered. Officially, yeah. I turned 11. That was it. (laughs) I don't remember a whole lot outside of movie experiences, which is what this whole show is all about. It had to be 
you. We're going off the list off Box Office Mojo, uh, and uh, because it has legitimate box office numbers associated with the film. So if there's something you think came out in 1990 or you think, oh, this movie actually came out in 1988 or whatever, some movies premiere at film festivals like Cannes and then come out a year later. So don't go by IMDb or Letterboxd. Yeah. Those are often uh, wrong. Skewed. So we're going by 1989 Domestic Grosses. And we start with January, and we work our way through the year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's January. a few titles that start here that don't have an official release date. Right. Uh, the most uh, significant one that I see is uh, Jar- Jim Jarmusch's Mystery Train. Beautifully shot by the great Robbie Mueller. Um, in and around Memphis, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All, over, all over Memphis. Uh, yeah, I run hot and cold with Jarmusch, but this is this is one of his better films, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I especially run cold on his early stuff like even though i'm supposed to love it like stranger than paradise and down by law and all that stuff I, i'm supposed to love those movies and i just mm. have a hard time loving them don't I'm you just... hate it when you're supposed to love you know, <laughs> like you feel like you know I mean, like when you make these top 10 lists like you feel like well maybe i should put that in there right it's a little more yeah. accepted in, in film twitter society mm-hmm. well it's like I, if you went to film school in the 90s which we, <laughs> did, we did a lot of people made thesis films that were very jarmusch like yeah. and now sure. when i watch a jarmusch <laughs> Or an early Jarmusch film, I feel like I'm yeah. watching a Columbia College thesis That's film. so true. Th- and it's like, I can't take this. I, yeah. But Mystery Chain, I think, is really good. And I think it also helped I, that I watched it before uh, I went down to Memphis. And oh, sure. actually yeah. went to some of those mm. places. That would like be Sun cool. Studios. Sure. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like Mystery Train a lot. I think okay. it's really Yeah, you know, Steve Buscemi, Joe mm-hmm. Strummer, Screaming Jay Hawkins. Oh, yeah. 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 Great cast. I like trains and hotels in general. I yeah, if I were to shoot a movie, I would love to do one on a train or a hotel. So this mm. has both. Yeah, and Memphis <laughs> doesn't look anything like that anymore. Well, it look a little bit. It's still mm. kind of a dive, but uh, yeah, it's uh, Sun Studios has changed a lot since, since upper tier Jarmusch for me. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I agree. It was a big. <laughs> it was a big year for underwater uh, thrillers. God, the, oh, this is the first like of three, right? And yeah, eighty nine was like I mean, like eighty seven, eighty eight was the body switch era. Right, eighty eight, eighty nine was the let's do something underwater and right. there's aliens mm-hmm. or creatures or something mm-hmm. yeah and we still actually have a, another another body switch movie later on that's but, true uh but yeah deep, deep star, star six six months at the bottom of the ocean it's more than i'm bargaining for they are explorers let's bring it aboard and get the hell out of here what's the matter you gonna let a few ugly fish scare you they are invaders okay boys and girls don't try this at home in a world which no human being has ever entered Sonar contact. Down here? I'd like to go out and take a look. Contact closing. 300 meters. What the hell is that? 250. Look at that mother. 200 meters. 150 meters. I think we're in big trouble, boss. I don't I have a good this. memory of this one. Did you watch You this? watched this recently? No, no. I did. Yeah. Because okay. I, I'd never seen it before. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And, like, I made notes. I Sometimes I take notes when I watch mm-hmm. this stuff, especially since we're going, you know, I, I start watching these movies in, like, June. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so we I try to read notes because I'm like, I'm not going to remember anything uh-huh. come February. So, uh, and I wrote down at the 18 minute mark, I'm like, this is not as bad as I've heard so far. Uh, yeah, and but keep it keep going. Fe- yeah, but yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and then I wrote, it feels like forever before we see the alien in this film. Like, yeah. It takes forever mm-hmm. to see the alien in this movie. So, 
That's all I had written down. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. No. I mean, of of the three underwater films, it's definitely the third. I, yeah, well, probably. I'm not counting, unless you're counting Lords of the Deep, which was on Mystery Science Theater. Right? I'm not counting Lords of the Deep. <laughs> okay. I, my, apolog- my apologies to that. Uh, was that 89? <laughs> it was. It was 89. Okay, yeah. so... Um, yeah, so we won't, won't count that. We'll just say okay. it was the of the theatrical. Yes, <laughs> the ones we know about. Um, it was definitely the weakest. It's just, it's just, it's just lame. Yeah, it's just really. That's lame. what I always yeah remember about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, speaking of lame, and it's sad to say because I know the writer of this particular film you're a fan of, Colin, very much so. As am I. The January Man. Yeah, another one that I kind of I've been avoiding the last 30 years. A serial killer has New York City by the throat. 11 murders in 11 months. Every day it's another girl dead. It's getting so I don't want to get up in the morning. They need a tough cop. Shh. Listen. What? The wine. It's breathing. Does anybody know this guy? My name is Lieutenant Nicholas Starkey. Find it. Superimpose that on the map. Find it. How do we face the terrifying spectacle of Nick Starkey? What he may do, what he may not do. Uh, de do and la-di-da. And so I finally watched it Same. a month ago. Same. And um, it just feels like something went wrong in the production. And something yeah. just uh, wrong director or something. Um, this is John Pat- Jewison directed no, it, right? No, he didn't direct it. No, he didn't. He left left the production, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is, yeah, John Patrick Shanley, who wrote Moonstruck and Five Corners and Joe vs. the Volcano. These are three of my favorite films. And uh, this one really did live up or live down to its reputation. It's got I, a great cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kevin Kline, Susan Sarandon, uh, Mary uh, Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Um just uh, uh, Harvey Keitel is like who looks really yeah. bored in this movie. Even when he's yelling, he looks bored. Yeah, and it, it seemed like I mean I think Shanley said like he wanted to write a script that would like really subvert the the genre, the thriller genre, and it, you can tell he's trying that. But yeah, something is getting lost in the translation because it just doesn't take off. It just just kind of sits there. And <laughs> when they finally confront the bad guy and he's just like falling down flights of stairs for yeah. like twenty minutes, yeah. like jeez, and yeah. the score is awful. I knew enough not to watch this movie again. I, I just, I, I've weird, very, spe- I have specific memory attached to this movie that I'm not going to bore the listeners about. But reading Roger Ebert's review mm, of this, yeah. I was actually on my way downtown with my mom, and remember like the fr- the Saturday after it came out, and reading his review, like one star review, I think he yeah. gave yeah. it. And I was like, geez, you know, because I liked so many people in that movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I didn't even make the Shanley, uh, you know, connection at the time. But it, it, it's a movie that, having just watched the whole new season of True Detective, it's a it's a peeve of mine in procedurals, mysteries, you know, anything like that. Agatha Christie did this from time to time where you introduce the killer at the when you reveal the killer. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so. I mean, like, wait, I just spent an hour and a half trying to determine what you know, yeah. like, uh, yeah, you know, you don't have to make it a mystery, but at least let me know who the killer. Then tell me who the killer is immediately, and sure. then you know that kind of thing. I just, yeah. it's such a pet peeve, and it's just such a waste. It's yeah. so boring. It's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a shame when you have Kevin Klein and Alan Rickman together coming oh, off right, coming Rickman. off of his Oscar win yeah. too for Fish Cult. Well, not not yet. He hadn't won yet. Yeah, because he will he will will have won in a month or two. Yeah, there's but there's a scene where, where they're like trying to break a code that mm-hmm. I kind of found kind of funny and strange, but mm-hmm. like they're trying to piece together 
like notes from a symphony or a song or something, and yeah. that that's kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, that and, and it's that an interesting out. casting of Rickman in that kind of yeah. role. Like he, that's not something like he, a computer nerd. Expert. Yeah, and like the best friend character. Like mm-hmm. that's a right weird, after Die Hard. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an odd choice, but you know he wasn't Alan Rickman yet, right? Uh, yeah. as we know him and love him now. But uh, yeah, but it's, it's so disappointing. He's yeah. Stanley subverted the genre so much that he went completely away from it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Um, hmm. Colin's well, favorite movie. Well, I mentioned Leaving the Cube. Yeah. Well, I I just I didn't watch it. I've never seen I, it before I, until today. You really? You've never seen no, Leaving the yeah, Cube? No, I just never I, had. I did because I was a Christian Slater guy. Yeah, yeah. I was too. Yeah, but okay. I just thought mm, I don't need to see a skateboarding movie. Christian Slater of Tucker and Heather's stars with Stephen Bauer from Thief of Hearts and Richard Hurd of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in Leaving the Cube. Brian Kelly didn't care for the way adults ran things. Adults are predictable. They're living under this illusion that life as we know it is going to continue forever. And he didn't care for the direction the world was heading. I don't know what's worse, you know? Blown up in a nuclear war having a 7-Eleven on every corner. In fact, there were only two things that Brian did care for. His skateboard and his brother. Trump, what? You got a B-plus in countenance. Then one day his brother died. Here's the thing, though. I, do you remember in, in movie theaters they had little pamphlets that you could take uh, called like movie times, or movie something? facts, movie facts, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, my favorite, one of my favorite things is going to the movies because you yes. go there, you're like, oh, look what's coming out. Yeah, Empire sure. Strikes Back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember because we had them at my theater, and uh, and when I and we, when we got it, and they had Gleaming the Cube written in there, it said <laughs> starring Christian Bale. Ooh, what? And I was like reading the plot. I'm like, little skateboarding kid, blah, blah, blah. What the hell? Christian Bale, the Empire of the Sun kid? He's doing a skateboard movie? Wow. Oh, no. Misprints. <laughs> and then I remember it, and there, there being a lot of misprints in those, actually. Yeah. Like, well, that was... like examples of that. Happening. Right. Oh no, it's a terrible movie, but it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 hilariously bad. I mean, it's got it's a, like a subplot about shipping medical supplies. Uh, oh, God. They got Tony yeah. Hawk in this movie, but all he does is drive a, a Pizza Hut truck. It's like <laughs> he doesn't got, actually skateboard in the movie. I don't, not a lot. I mean, not that's he like, didn't he weird. did in Police Academy Four. <laughs> well, yeah, like Citizens on Patrol. Okay, well, in the big action scene there. at the end, which is supposed to be like skateboarding action, he's driving a Pizza Hut truck. It's like you got Tony Hawk. That's not the truck they go it. under when they skateboard, is it? No, isn't I don't... that a famous shot where they like they go under the like Chris oh, Slater no. goes under the the truck? No, 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 because he because uh, that that would be like a wasn't that a semi truck? Yeah, maybe? yeah, no, this is just a Pizza Hut truck, just a little little putt putt thing. Um, oh yeah, no, it's a kind of movie where they they bring out the Asian flute score whenever they show a Vietnamese character. Oh, you know? it's that kind of movie. No. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. do you do you remember when this played on like Fox Television, WFLD 30, uh, Channel Thirty Two? Yeah. It actually they played it under a different title. Hmm. It was like like I uh, I wish I had looked to look this up. We probably could, but it was it's like one of the most generic titles. You know, it's hmm. like you know Skate Force. You know, something <laughs> so stupid like you know Murder Friend. You know, it just oh, I, you know it was so generic and like wait a minute, that's Gleam in the Cube, pal. <laughs> That's not Murder Friend. <laughs> Murder Friend. They were hoping more people would watch it with a different title. Yeah. yeah. Well, what the hell does Gleaming the Cube mean? I mean, like, what's, what's a skateboarding, skateboarding lingo? It's a skateboarding yeah. term. Yeah. But it's like, they're, what they're, does Minding the Gap mean, Colin? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, Touche. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right where do we it go to from awesome here? Because there's, there's, there's a little, little grouping of. Oh, 
interesting titles. I don't know if we want to bring up any of them in particular. Uh, well, you're not going to talk about the experts? Oh, I don't want to talk about the experts. <laughs> I tried to don't. find This that is where movie. John Travolta met Kelly Preston. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice, I guess. I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. This is where it met. began. <laughs> I wanted to watch it because I hear it's so hilariously terrible. And directed and, by Dave Thomas, if right. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. sad. Well, this is a movie that was, oh, I, again, I wish I had done the full research on this, but it was, there was like a court case or something or something that was like holding the movie up from being released. It was hmm. like, it was, it was one of the first examples I remember of a movie like sitting on the shelf for a long period of time. Mm. And then barely got a theatrical release. I remember seeing it on video. I had friends who like really liked this movie because they thought the premise was really fascinating. Hmm. And this is obviously many years before the Americans and yeah. stuff like uh, that. Yeah. But the the idea of the Russians creating a fake American town so the Russians can train to be American spies, and then you bring in two hipster d bags played by John Travolta and Ari Gross hmm. to teach them about Americana, <laughs> you know, and then Kelly Preston dances sexy in a black dress. You know what this is? It's a grenade, and I'm pulling the pin, so no funny business. I remember renting Three Fugitives as a kid, and I, I didn't that, like all it. All that I, up for you. I didn't like it then. Don't yeah. like it now. It's not very good. <laughs> two, no. two, two words, you know, for, for future generations who are going to download this podcast during the apocalypse. Uh, two words to avoid when you see any kind of movie. Francis Weber. Francis Weber. Ver- anytime, because there was, if you're, there were a lot of. He was a French filmmaker. And right. He made and he a lot re- of these. He remade farcical, his own movies. He made, yeah, he made a lot of these farcical comedies, and some were. There are other movies that were made remade of his movies, but then there's some that he Americanized. Right. Like this, Pure Luck with oh, Martin right. Short. Uh, there's a, f- a few others too. I want. I want to. Mm, is my father the hero? Fran- was that a Francis that could, Weber that could movie? Be. Maybe. But but those types of movies. Yeah. And they yeah. were all bad. Yeah. They were all bad. Yeah. For sure. And Three Fugitives is one of them. And it's, it's Martin Short's pretty. I don't know. Like subdued in this movie. <laughs> it's like you want to see Martin Short get crazy, yeah, and he doesn't it, really. Yeah. Well, he's acting alongside Nick Nolte, and you know yeah. that's not exactly gonna. Get yeah, that's comedic, true. Uh, Plus the little girl in the movie too, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. You know. which played a little creepy <laughs> to me this time watching it as yeah. an adult with, I don't know, like Nick Nolte putting her arm around mm-hmm. her while they're hiding out in a factory warehouse. It was like, uh, this doesn't sit well with me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we do have a very interesting movie here. Our next movie is a real weirdo, one of the strangest, most depraved, certainly most depressing movies I've ever seen. It's called Parents. And it takes place in the 1950s in a typical American suburb where a quiet little boy begins to hate and fear his parents because he feels that they're keeping some very unpleasant secrets from him. For example, what about those enormous choice cuts of prime meat on the table every night? Where do they come from? We have leftovers every day since we moved here. I'd like to know what they were before they were left over. I love parents. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And, I, you know, looking ahead, and this is pretty early, but uh, this is the best horror movie of this year, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. I, well, I mean, I'm, maybe we'll get to one that I'm maybe, forgetting about now, but... Maybe, but uh, I mean, I looked at the at the list and I was like, yeah, I actually think this one's my favorite. It's very bizarre. It's very Lynchian and uh, directed by Bob Balaban. Yeah. Uh, which very was, interesting. Uh, really interesting kind of 
directorial debut for him. He would never go on to make anything like this, I don't think. Uh, maybe he does. I should probably not you do say My that. Boyfriend's Back. Comedy horror is kind of his thing. Yeah, but this is like surreal. I mean, this is like he's mm. he's delving into a lot of. There's like a lot of like like I said, Lynchian yeah. flourishes going on yeah. in this movie. It's like David Lynch meets John mm-hmm. Waters, kind of. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very creepy. Yeah, and I Creepy remember cannibal this, movie. this was another movie like The Experts where it was it took a long time for it to come out because I mm. remember when the three movie review shows Siskel and Ebert, Sneak Previews, and At yeah. the Movies they all reviewed it like way before it actually came out. Mm. Uh, hmm. I heard about this movie long before it came out, and they were very I mean like splits down the middle like mm-hmm. you either loved it or you hated it. Mm. And Siskel and Ebert, Ebert hated it, Siskel loved it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I so they both liked it. No. Um, okay. It, but uh, so yeah, when it finally came out, it was I, I, I don't know. I rented it and I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Where shall we go? Um, have you either of you seen Cohen and Tate? No. Yeah, Never. Cohen. He kills people for money. <laughs> Tate would happily do it for fun. They've been teamed up to get Travis Knight away from his family and the FBI and deliver him alive to the mob. Ah! It's them! It's them! Get out of here! It's done. Yeah, done. Almost. Travis Knight. He's nine years old and he's gonna give them hell. Cohen and Tate, a two-man army ready for anything. It's working, okay. Mr. Cohen. Cohen, Cohen and Tate, uh, Roy Scheider, and Adam Baldwin kidnap a child, uh, the child of a FBI informant, and are bringing Sounds him familiar. back to the mob to find out what he might know from his father. Uh, it, it's very much uh, what, what the O. Henry story, The Ransom of Red Chief. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Mm-hmm. It's very much kind of a play on that. Um, Eric Red, who wrote Near Dark, directed oh. and wrote this movie. Bill Conti did the score. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I remember, I mean, this when when I worked in a video store many years later, and remember seeing this movie on the shelf, it felt like one of those movies that you, you'd never heard of. It, feel, it felt like it looked like a straight to video release. You mm. know, Roy yeah, Schneider, yeah. Adam Baldwin, never heard of this movie before, and. Then people turned me on to it and said, like, no, this is actually a really good thriller. It's a really good thriller. Yeah, you and Sergio Mims uh, turned me on to this film. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you were right. It was good. Yeah, I I mean, Scheider, I mean, yeah. Scheider is the sort of the the cooler, slightly cooler, but still menacing uh, mob uh, hitman, Adam Baldwin, the the cockier, younger, jerkier one. And then the little boy, you know, is this road trip movie and how hmm. the boy is going to wrangle himself out of this. It is, it's a it's a terrific movie. And Shout Factory recently put it out. They like, certainly on, did. Okay. It's on Blu-ray. Well, I'm, I'm going to check it out for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's great. Who is that? Harry Crumb. That's right, the Harry Crumb. He's the last in a long line of great detectives. My reputation precedes me. Otherwise, I'd be late for all my appointments. <laughs> He's a master of disguise. I am the Jules Dilioche. Could you spell that, please? I I don't think so. Try it with a D. 
His mind is like a steel trap. You find that crazy typewriter, and you'll have your kidnappers. Twice this year, I gotta say, uh, the the charm of John Candy can go a long way, Certainly even can. if the script isn't up to snuff, and even if it's not like laugh out loud hysterically funny. He, just his presence alone can save a movie. I've, I'll say that twice this year because <laughs> I'm not a, not a big fan of another movie of his that we'll be talking about later. Surprisingly, but still. Um, talk about who's Harry Crumb. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. I didn't I didn't watch it for this okay, podcast. Okay. I've seen it 82 times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. This one thing I can say about 89 is that there's I have I have very clear memories of a lot of these of yes, the, these types of movies, sure. you know, yeah. okay, and uh, yeah, who's her? It's, it's it's so guilty of pleasure. I mean, yeah. it's, and, be, and it's all because Him of John with Candy with all his different characters. I mean, it's a stuff, movie yeah. that, crazily enough, rips off a lot of Naked Gun. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of Naked Gun jokes that it steals yeah. wholesale. <laughs> yeah, I can remember uh, <laughs> from even though they came out like two months apart, the same jokes are in, the, in both movies. It's kind of crazy, but John Candy being a doofus for 85 minutes. You know, hmm. Jeffrey Jones before, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we, we're not before supposed to like Jeffrey. Okay. We can't like Jeffrey Jones anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. Okay. okay. I, you I, can. I, I have nothing to say. Um, this particular month brought brings back a very um, big memory for me. They re-released Lawrence of Arabia. And in the theaters, uh, added some footage, restored it, pushed, put it out in 70 millimeter. And I remember oh, wow. being mm. with my dad and my mom taking me to the McClurg court uh, and seeing it there and just blew my mind. It was just that was an, an amazing experience. And that, that was I think that was the first movie I remember seeing like that wasn't a Disney movie that had a kind of re-release mm. um, that was a classic mm-hmm. and on video already. And but, uh, you know, that was just uh, an amazing experience. I think people forget how there were a lot of re-releases back during this period. I mean, I mean, Disney movies obviously they did it pretty regularly, but there was a lot of re-releases like this. Gone with the Wind is also in, in the same mm-hmm. month. Lawrence of Arabia. I didn't see Lawrence of Arabia until Elk Grove Cinema reopened, and they had this week of like like grand reopening. So we you know, played <laughs> this something cool every night, and they played Lawrence of Arabia. But it wasn't the pristine restored mm. cut. It was like probably a original 1962 you know oh, wow. print okay. because it was so blotchy and grainy and whatnot mm. <laughs> and it's still one of the greatest oh, yeah. nights yeah. ever i mean just even just the, it only added to the charm of it <laughs> you know the, all the all that stuff so yeah it took me a long time to finally watch it because mm-hmm. i've been waiting for the big theatrical yeah. experience and when the music box had it for the first time for 70 millimeter that's right. when i finally oh, it's saw worth it. the wait I mean, yeah, it was absolutely the way it was. absolutely was yeah. Um, so, uh, in past episodes that we've done, I've often defended a lot of horror movie sequels. And going through this year, that won't be the case <laughs> very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fly 2 is really underwhelming. And it has none, none of the Cronenberg flair to it. And uh, Eric Stoltz is kind of sleepwalking through it all. And it has a horrible ending. That, like it's, it's like a completely uh, inverted take on the original's ending. To, you know, it's like let's. What if the fly? What if that ended? worked? Yeah. What if it actually worked and yeah. it was a happy ending? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it's pr- it's it's got some cool effects, I guess. It's 
it's a it's a makeup designer you know, who got to make his yeah, movie, right. and he yeah. just added like, oh, they like this is what won the Academy Award, nineteen eighty six. Mm-hmm. Let's do more of that. So yeah. just more gross out stuff, and then we're just gonna add the creature more of attacking. Yeah. at the end. Yeah, pretty you know? much. That's and all it is. Yeah, it's it's not pretty good. bad. Yeah, pretty bad. And then we have a movie that. Um, I like and haven't a hundred percent loved, and I love the sequel way more. But we, you know, Keanu Reeves and uh, Alex Winter and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Be excellent to each other, and party on, dudes! I, again, I like it. I don't think it's hilarious from beginning to end. No, it's good. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's yeah, and it's there's. There's charm in it. I, you know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not in love with it. I like the sequel more. Yeah, it's more. I like the, the sequel more inventive. I think. Yeah, and I like the little things that go on in the background, mostly like you know Socrates and Billy the Kid passing a football in the background, <laughs> like stuff like that. I think yeah, is funny. That's funny. Um, there's a lot of dated references. In, you know, things about this movie that are that, that dated. You know, like like Days of Our Lives jokes. I mean, I don't know. Uh, do we still that's make still, Days of Our Lives? That's jokes? still on. It's still on. It's still on. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, um, do we make Days of Our Lives references in our humor anymore? <laughs> no, not <laughs> really. Know, but, no, but, no. I mean, it's just little things like that that kind of cement it in this time period. Yeah, and Bill's uh, stepmom and... Is it Bill, I think? Yeah, Bill's stepmom and uh, Bill's dad decide to get it on in Bill's bedroom at mm-hmm. one point. Mm. Yeah, which it was, was the creepy. 80s. Yeah. A little creepy. Um, I, I mean, I just remember... <laughs> I, I think we'll probably all agree that this movie is probably better than it has any right to be. Because that's yeah. when I first saw the preview, mm-hmm. I was just like, "What the hell is?" It? And I, I mean, yeah. I wasn't even like making like thinking like because they they do kind of some goofy Back to the Future type jokes later in the movie that I think mm-hmm. are, are kind of clever and funny, um, you know. But now they're doing a Bill and Ted three finally after all these years, and we'll, we'll you know I think That'll it has potential to be interesting. Soderbergh's involved in that really whole thing. Yeah, he's kind of kind of instrumental in part of that getting through mm-hmm. and yeah i just i just remember like this it was m- much more interesting much funnier than it i think it had any right to be but at the would, time but it would cement this image that everybody has of keanu reeves yeah. forever oh no. yeah <gasps> was yes. not the, i mean and again it's not the only keanu mo- movie this year that right. does kind of help cement right. that thing yeah uh yeah um but again, okay. I just think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, you know. I, it's a three star movie. I like yeah. it. it's a three star movie. Um, I want to go back. We skipped a movie here that I don't know if we wanted to skip, but I want to bring it up, um, and that's Cousins. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. This is a great movie. Yeah, it I, really is Schumacher? Joel yeah. Schumacher a remake of I think of a French film, Cousin mm-hmm. Cousin, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I we saw I saw the, this movie in theaters hmm. back then, and even at thirteen, I'm like, this is. This is good. If I had any idea how insane you were, I would never have let you start up with me. <laughs> what? You seduced me. Beauty and the Beast. So how do you like this wine, Vince? Let me put it to you this way. I'd rather have a case of the clap than a case of this wine. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. 
I love you, Edie. Your grandfather is about to marry the Bermuda Triangle. As rom-coms, you know, that's you know how we refer to them these days, but... This is a great movie about adults, mm-hmm. you know, oh, okay. and, and finding love and a movie that could easily, especially under the guy, you know, the, the, the control of Joel Schumacher could easily have developed into some lame farce yeah. where they're, you know, they're, they're running around hiding from the other spouses. It could have been secret admirer, you know, that kind of oh, thing, but it's not, it's like, and I just, I just want to say it's, I don't know if we appreciate Ted Danson as much as. We should. I, I was gonna say, like, I I, I wrote notes during this one too, and I've always liked this movie. And one of the things I wrote was like, it's too bad Ted Danson never did a musical because he great. can clearly, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, he yeah. loves to use his whole body. When yeah, he acts yeah. And he's so smooth. That's when a great he, when point. He talks. He's so great on the Good Place right now. I was, just, I mean, Good Place. I mean, like every time he shows up, I mean, Curb Your Enthusiasm, obviously mm-hmm. he shows up. The guy has just been consistently mm-hmm. funny. I never watched. Becker, I know that that was on for a while, uh, but th- this guy has just been consistently good. He never yeah. really developed into a movie actor. He didn't. I mean, Three yeah. Men and a Baby had come out a couple years ago, and he was like third lead in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was, you know, he was full on lead. Him and, the, and Isabella Rossellini are so charming and so real mm-hmm. in this movie. Like, so like everything that you watch them, and you actually like if the script was in front of them, you actually see them as characters seem to go like actually consider what they're about to say to, to one another. Hmm. There's there's something really beautiful about their relationship and the way it unfolds. Um, the Keith Coogan stuff, I think, is a little annoying in the movie. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny Usually, back then. Yeah. Uh, but him is the... He plays Ted Danson's son in the movie, and he's... But I want to edit that wedding video. Like, I want to make that wedding <laughs> video the, with so the, bad. <laughs> with, the, with the Ethiopian yes. stuff? Yes. Yes, that is... I, mean, I watched that when I saw that again. I was like, that's cruel. <laughs> Like that back then, I thought it was funny. Now I thought it was really cruel. Um, but no, I, I really want people to kind of rediscover this movie yeah. because there are there there are way too many rom coms, uh, you know, that get released that don't have this level of intelligence to them, and especially you know, I mean, it feels European. The whole movie Schumacher does a great job, mm-hmm. and wow. the cast is so good in this movie. Uh, it, it really is. It's like a top twenty movie of the year for me. Yeah, I, holy I, crap! I had no idea. Like, I, I, I always thought this got middling reviews. Score is by Angelo Badalamenti. It's, so. yeah. it's a great score. Oh, too. It's a beautiful score. I'm gonna watch yeah, this. Yeah, it got week. a lot of comparisons <laughs> to Moonstruck when it came out, and, oh. and in a good yes. way, justifiably mm-hmm. so, because it's a very romantic film. It's like there's um, Moonstruck, there's this, and then this is kind of three weddings and a funeral. Okay, basically, mm-hmm. you know, nice. this is well before four weddings came out, and I, I you, you can see comparisons a bit between the two mm-hmm. uh, and, and fa- all favorable. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a good three film list right there. Well, William, no, I think uh, William Peterson's in this too. Yeah, I, I and he's, he's really great in it. And cool. uh, as somebody who's been in the wedding business, uh, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I made a lot of notes like this. Like, is there, is there really such a thing as wedding land? Uh, because, land. oh my God, <laughs> this, this is like... The the, there's no way they earth. built that for the movie. That oh had to be a God. thing at the time. Oh, and have you ever been to a wedding that has a magician? Uh, yes, <laughs> have I you? Have. Yes. Really? Yeah. Um, and I don't know what who whoever planned this wet the first wedding in the opening scene did a horrible job because they put the main table in front of the wedding band. Uh, That's so true. Like, so yes, like the band is good just call. wailing away, and, yes. and there's uh, what's who is it? Not Robert Loggia. Uh, George Cole, uh, the dad. Is it? The one that gets married at the beginning? Yeah. Not yeah. Lloyd Bridges. George Coe is his George name. George Coe. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, like, he's 
talking like there's a band playing behind him. And uh, Bono always described <laughs> U2 as the world's worst wedding band. And uh, this movie proves him right because <laughs> the wedding band does the worst U2 cover ever. Uh, and it's oh, with wow. or without you. It's like the oh, band shit. Is okay. like That's the second wedding. The, the <laughs> yeah, kids' the second wedding, wedding. Right? Yeah. 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 They're playing with or without you uh, to, oh, uh, as, yes. as like the, the dance song between the bride and the groom. Like, is that, that a wedding? It's not a wedding song. No, it's a breakup song. <laughs> yes, that is so not a wedding song. <laughs> this is this should just be the Cousins podcast. Apparently. Right, yeah. I yeah. Going off no, I just. I, I, I had no idea. Yeah, it's a real. Seriously, I mean, I watched it. Like, just laser focused on just how adult the whole thing hmm. felt, and I mean, I again, I liked it back when I was a thirteen-year-old kid. Yeah, uh, maybe that broadcast news influence on me that I'm like, hey, adults can, you know, you know. But it, it's it's really sweet. It's really uh, beautifully done. Ted Danson, uh, everyone's really good. Sean Young, William Peterson, they play the cheating spouses, uh, but even they're not written. Two dimensionally, yeah. either especially Sean Young. Sean Young's uh, definitely not uh, just a, a caricature. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really good movie. This is this is one. If people take away one movie from this, uh, besides Cohen and Tate, it should be this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning a lot already. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the Burbs. Uh, genius. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Gets better yeah. with every viewing. Yeah. Yeah. I sh- I watched this at the Music Box actually. They had as a matinee showing, and uh, the whole the whole crowd was just so into it. You know, and we'd seen it, I don't know how many times at this point, and it's just Rick Dukeman in that is just amazing. Bruce mm-hmm. Dern, everybody Bruce is in Dern. it. Oh, I mean, when and they that, go to the house and visit, you know, and they're yeah. serving them sardines and pretzel. I mean, it's Sardine. just sardines. <laughs> <laughs> Malachi your, serving them sardines. Is yeah. that your wife? No, it came with the frame. <laughs> it came with the frame. <laughs> Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Ray, you're chanting. Ray, Ray, look. Ray, unconscious chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. When he's trying to cough up the sardine. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, Hank's... Oh, man. Where did he's, he come up with that? I know. Nobody does. Nobody coughs like that. No. It's such a weird choice. Yes. Yeah. And then when he does it, it sounds like an elephant. Is yes. <laughs> just, it's so great. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe Dante, where where art thou? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this was the first movie to do the kind of opening shot that's been imitated many, many times now, which is starting uh, in on planet Earth and then zooming in closer right, to the U.S. Yeah, and closer, yeah. zooming in to, where was it, Ohio or something like that? I think so. Ohio or Indiana. Somewhere, somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then just zoom, keep zooming in, zooming in. That shot's been done so many times now, but now, this was the first time I think that it's ever been done. Yeah, and I, I, I don't mind the ending. I just know that that would have been more interesting to not have it end that way, knowing that that's not how he wanted to end it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, the ending of the movie, the what would have been the ending would have been more in tune with what the movie is trying to right. say about yeah. the, the, you know, the mendacity of the suburbs and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's still so funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to be a criminal defense attorney? Then know this going in. Everybody's guilty. Everybody. Um, I watched uh, True Believer mm-hmm. with yeah. uh, James Woods and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Boy, how'd you like to be the director on that set? <laughs> In 1989. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. James Woods uh, is at his woodsiest. Yeah. In the closing arguments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Hate him if you must. I do! Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I love. I actually love James Woods at his woodsiest. I just. I do I, too. I, I do too. Know, I, I mean, do too. maybe not in real life, but no. <laughs> in yeah, the movie no, when he's acting, when he's acting, I, I enjoy it. And he's smoke. His character's smoking a lot of weed, like right in front of Downey the whole time. A lot yeah. of That's weed. I mean. like, yeah. Whoa, yeah. How, yeah. How come they're yeah working? instead of the, yeah it's like the verdict instead of alcohol it's weed. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a movie that I think is uh, is more for the performances I think than mm-hmm. the actual. Oh, yeah. I mean the story is we've kind of seen yeah. that kind of courtroom drama played mm-hmm. out before, but Woods is very good in it and it 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 you know I'm a it's, sucker for a good courtroom drama. Yeah, this is no, good. it's it's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the movie Tap I think is interesting to go back and look at. Oh, uh, good dance movie. Mm-hmm. Just, Hines, just yeah, just piece. as a Gregory Hines, yeah. you know, sure. who left us too soon because he yeah. was yeah. not only obviously a great dancer, but I mean, he was a, he was a very good actor too, and oh, yeah. very funny uh, you know, actor. Uh, right, running scared, history of the world, obviously, mm-hmm. um, Cotton Club. Oh right, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just if you just want you know, and then that Sammy Davis Jr. is in his last mm-hmm. film, his yeah. last film. So right. it's 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 a it's a milestone. It's yeah, better it's, than White Knights. Oh God! Well, <laughs> well, both movies have. I know really, how you feel about White Knights. You know how I feel about yeah, White Knights. It's a trigger for you. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> say you, say me. Both movies have really dumb plots, but really great dancing, and are worth watching for the dancing. Yes. Um, as yes, most yes. dance movies do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like how many good, like great dance movie where the dancing is as good as the plot? Saturday Night Fever. Beyond yeah. Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it starts kind of starts, starts there, there. But yeah, you're and then right. like it I mean, the singing in the rain, and mm-hmm, you know, yeah. but like in. Post Saturday Night Fever, let's about just say dancing and still having a right. Good plot. Oh, Colin, yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I could sense an offshoot podcast for you, dance movies. Actually, <laughs> I'm sure you can come up with a better title, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be fun for you. That could be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Mighty Quinn. What an interesting movie. I like this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. I and do too. I have the soundtrack right. Not here. as much as Siskel and Ebert liked it. Oh, they yeah. loved. Oh, they went crazy. They over really it. had a man crush. I felt on hyped up by it. Mm-hmm. You know, by their acclaim for it. But it's 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 again an interesting uh, thriller mystery. Well, uh, I mean, there weren't that many thriller mysteries like this. I guess you could, yeah. you could put it, lump it in with the Big Easy, and where mm-hmm. the right. yeah, that's atmosphere mm-hmm. and the setting play an integral part to the yeah. mystery and and yeah. everything else in it. It's so. Uh, there's a love of country and a love of place here. Um, also, uh, the director who was I could have sworn it was Carl Franklin, but it's a different Carl. No, it's not direct. It's yeah, it's Carl Bachelor Schenkel. Schenkel. Yeah, I think yeah. that's it. Yeah, but I mean, it's a beautifully shot and edited yeah. movie. Like it's top top notch uh, in terms of craft. I wish there was somebody more interesting than Mimi Rogers as the femme fatale in it. I think that's where the movie yeah. just kind of is like doesn't come alive. But um, Mimi Rogers is kind of sexy. She is, but, <laughs> but, but she's kind of a boring femme fatale in this movie. There's nothing yeah. there. You yeah. know, every, mm-hmm. there's all these other colorful characters. You got M. Emmett Walsh. You got Robert Townsend, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of mm, yeah, know. yeah, no, but. Uh, but no, this is a good, good thriller. Great music. If you, yeah, you know, very good music. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's definitely worth seeing if you haven't. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good Denzel performance too. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of interesting, Paper House. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that is a really fascinating film from Bernard Rose, who later would give us Candyman. And I remember Ebert describing it as like Nightmare on Elm Street meets Bergman. I think. I want to say yeah, that was his quote. Quote. I don't remember hearing yeah. him say that. I know Something he, he, along he those loved lines. This movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four no, he stars. did. Yeah. yeah. That's how. That's why I saw it. Actually, it was because 
of his acclaim for it. And uh, yeah, it's totally up my alley. I, I like these sort of creepy um, movies about dreams and you know <clears throat> illness and just sort of like trying to um, find coping strategies to deal with what you're going through and really f- great visuals throughout this movie. You could see why this guy would go on to do you know something like Candyman. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Headley's in this film. Right. She rests in peace. Mm -hmm. Um, But her voice is dubbed uh, in this movie. And there's an interesting reason why. And I'm going to shoot. I got to pull up IMDb to look it up. Okay. Um, I'll fill. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Fill it up. Yeah, go ahead. What, what are you? Um, interesting. I, I just, you know, because I, I watched it again recently, and I to watch it, I had to go on YouTube because yeah, that's it's that's how not, I watched it. It's not it. available on Blu-ray, and it's not available on DVD mm-hmm. actually in the states, which is even kind of doubly weird. But but there is a very good uh, version of it on on YouTube, so I watched it again, and it it it, it, it struck me as a precursor to a number of childhood movies like that that deal with childhood trauma uh, this one particularly of an illness it reminded me a lot of later much later on of a monster calls yeah i could see that i was thinking yeah. that, like guillermo del toro's work sure guillermo del toro's work um another one that just escaped my memory but people don't know what this movie is about it's about a young young girl who goes off and when she goes off into a dreamlike uh state has uh she's sick and she's drawn this house, this picture of this house. And then when she goes into uh, into the dream world, she's able to go into this house. And she's only able to correct what's wrong with the house when she mm-hmm. makes further drawings. Uh, and it, it is one of those movies where you know dreams and reality mix. And what is the underlying trauma that <clears throat> uh, this, girl, this girl is dealing with? At least uh, there's a beautiful ending. There's a great score, uh, co- co-written by uh, Hans Zimmer, and uh, oh wow, yeah, uh, yeah, it was real. This this was a great reappraisal of, of watching this movie again. I didn't see I didn't seen it in, in years. Uh, I remember kind of being described as a horror movie when when I first heard about it, and it has there's horror one, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I mean it has sort of one sequence that is very horrific that I would be yeah. hesitant to show it to a young child. But yeah. the rest of it, you know, it, it fits into those, you know, monster calls, a little princess. It follow it it fits into that uh that, that circle of, of movies and uh again another one that uh I, I think is one of the, one of the great movies of this year. I don't care what happens to me there. So long as I can be here with you. You see your world doesn't matter anymore. We can live here. You ever kissed anyone? Me neither. Yeah. It was the only movie to feature that actress, uh, Charlotte Burke. That's it, right. Yeah. Even though she so. looks very familiar. Yeah, she does. <laughs> I could have swore that I've seen her before, and I, I was I was shocked that that was the only thing. Uh, she's still alive, right? I think so. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Inspirational teacher movie? Sure. Sure. Yeah, Lean it's fine. Me. <laughs> it's Kids he cared about. You mess up just once, and you're out of here. I'll help you One reason only, to learn. Morgan Freeman stars in the true story of Joe Clark. It's a kind of stand-and-deliver cliche, you know, movie that would get parodied a lot uh, later on. <laughs> um, you know, it has a big montage of kids studying for an exam. Uh-huh. Um, the political <laughs> stuff in the second act is really cartoonish. Um, but again, Freeman... He's so damn good in this movie. He's so good. He's so good this year. I'm so. Mm -hmm. I'm. I'm forgiving a lot because of him. Trying to think of all the inspirational teacher movies or the 
teacher that has to combat gang violence. There's like this, Stan and Deliver, the principal with yeah. Jim Belushi. Dangerous but this minds. is a true story. Dangerous this Minds later on. Yeah, guy. right. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, so was Stan and Deliver. Right. Um, was but yeah, substitute? No, it's, it's, <laughs> substitute? That was a little later. Was yeah. A little bit later. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I, I, again, yeah. a great performance. Carries the movie. I like it. Fine. Yeah. You know, you can call me Batman. Yeah, we can go. <laughs> There's the, some good the, stuff. The next here. movie on the list, we can kind of, kind of, almost say the same kind of thing. Glow um, in the dark condoms. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what made famous and lean on me? Um, <laughs> no. Uh, skin deep. Obviously, yeah. Is the film we're talking about, Blake Edwards' Skin Deep, which was uh, kind of a really big highlight for John Ritter and his uh, post Three's Company days. Three's Company and Three's a Crowd has just finished up uh, not too long before. And, I mean, it's basically Blake Edwards redoing The Man Who Loved Women, mm-hmm. more, right. more or less. And, and better. Uh, it's better. I mean, uh, it's the not Burt consistently version, yeah. funny and great, but I think, again, John Ritter. No, but it's, know, it's, I mean, it's the bearded John Ritter. Watching the film is almost like watching a screenplay template, and it's just like you could see them like, okay, today we're going to film all the scenes in the bar, mm. and now we're going to do all the scenes with the ex-wife. And now, now we're gonna put six weeks aside for John Winter to do all the physical stuff <laughs> that mm-hmm. we come to see, and the, the glowing dark condom scene still holds up. Oh yeah, it's That's still hilarious. really funny. Uh, the scene where he gets electroshocked and mm-hmm. has to walk through the parking lot <laughs> yeah. is pretty fantastic. Uh, just little moments where he has to, you know, he gets with the the bodybuilder. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is, is yeah. really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Ritter was like, I mean, because of Three's Company, it was one of my favorite people in the 1980s. Yeah. And that was one of those, you know, I mentioned John Candy, obviously, before, but like John Ritter was like one of those like biggest shocks when he passed away. Yeah, that, yeah. Was that was way, way too, too young. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the structure of the movie's not. It's very great. episodic. Yeah. yeah well, it's, mm. it's incredibly episodic. I mean, it's like. <laughs> It's like, you know, encounter with a woman, bar, ex-wife, encounter with a woman, bar, mm-hmm. ex-wife. I mean, it's seriously, yeah. it's, it yeah. follows that the entire way through, and it gets very tiresome. Sure. But when you get to those scenes with the women, you know, and Ritter's, Ritter's very, he's good in all of those scenes. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's those, the, every third one stands out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I w- uh, watched this movie about a month and a half ago, and I was like, wow, this doesn't, this doesn't hold up very well no. at all. But those two, those two scenes that you mentioned—the glow in the dark condom and the, the electric shock—I mean, <laughs> yes. I, I, I was laughing. Yeah. The mm-hmm. rest of it, I was like, I don't care about this character. Oh God, yeah. I got to hear him say, "What's the meaning of it all?" I'm like, "Oh, shut up! I don't care." Yeah. The the <laughs> philosophizing <laughs> in this movie crisis, is really yeah. subpar, oh, like like yeah. 101 psychiatry yeah. type stuff. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. I just but the, the I, maybe it's the like, dark condom scene where they're yeah. basically just big fingers just going around. Yeah. <laughs> so so and you funny. Can tell, but it's so like the 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 journey to get to that scene is so labored. Like you yes. bring in the rock star character and it's like the scene like I knew it was coming and I was like and, and but it was like yeah. wow, this is taking a long time to it's get John Ritter is trying to bend Tila from Masters of the Universe. Uh, yeah, was so. that Chelsea Field? Oh wow! You're mm-hmm. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mm. by the way, this movie is not Me Too era compliant. No, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. Heck no. <laughs> so you might want examples of that <laughs> yeah. this year. But yeah, yeah, that's true. But I'm like, I, I love John Ritter, and I I went to see yeah. Stay yeah. Tuned opening day because of John Ritter. Did you go yeah. see Problem Child opening day? Yeah, I think I did. I think Problem. I did too. I love Problem Child too. 
No. Okay. New York stories. Yeah. One amazing story. Yeah, speaking of <laughs> thirds. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm not crazy about the other two. Even the Woody Allen one, I'm like, meh. But I do love the Scorsese one. Starts off with a great one, and then yeah. it, it goes opposite from mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. and then it's somewhere in the middle to finish up. But yeah. you're still thinking about the Scorsese one. Absolutely. Afterwards. Nick Nolte's amazing. Mm-hmm. Watching this in the theater um, was interesting because... Uh, I loved, yeah, obviously I love the Scorsese one, but watching it in a suburban theater with people who, you know, aren't mm-hmm. really, I don't know why they came, but <laughs> I don't think they were cinephiles or anything. Like, they're not coming to see master directors at their craft mm-hmm. and everything, I think. I don't know. But it was just like you could feel them getting impatient with with, with Scorsese's because it was just because Nick Nolte is a very unlikable character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, but that's the point. Yeah. Um, and then really just getting like, fidgety and like during during Coppola's movie which is uh, almost unwatchable it's, it's, horrible. it's really terrible and then the Woody Allen movie comes on and like the audience is like loving it because like oh finally it's here's levity. one we could just yeah levity yeah. I can yeah. laugh now and um, and so they you know the audience has walked out pretty happy with that one mm-hmm. and I like it I like the Woody Allen one I think it's funny um, eh, I, you know it's not sorry. one of his greatest but I, I I think there's a lot of funny stuff in it but uh, but no, I mean it's the Scorsese. He's the star of this film. Yeah, basically. You know what the opposite of funny is? Oh God. Bobby was just a normal teenager. Is he okay? Ask him if he wants a pop tart. Hey, kids, Until he bumped into Laney and the Edingers. This wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, my God. I'm him. Now, Bobby has three days to find himself. That's rude, mister. To pass high school. I was that SAT in Saturday afternoon test. And steal his best friend's girl. Well, maybe you're not her type. I'm every girl's type. Or his future is history. Thank you for a frightening, confusing, strange, and dangerous time. What more could a girl ask for? I would say this is my this is the worst film of the year for me. Yeah, it could very well be. <sighs> it is. It very well could I, be. Like the editing in this movie is awful. I'd Everything still, about I this movie is awful. I do not know what the hell happens exactly. in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. We're talking about Dream a Little Dream with Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, and Jason Robards, who escaped being on the poster for this film, even though he's one of the main characters. Yeah. The lead the movie. Main I mean, technically the yeah. lead in the movie. I mean, right. This is prelude to a kiss but wtf right. yeah yeah that's a good way oh, to put it and i i was excited for it when i was younger i liked i liked the Corys. yeah you know fine oh. now you and know. i hated this when i was a kid now i hate it even more <laughs> Did, were I, you excited about it because of the Corys, or were you excited about it because <laughs> natty gan was in it a little both a okay. little bit of both because Mer- natty gan had Oswald's developed new wife, uh, you know actually, yeah. props to mr pat oswald yeah his, no his lovely wife uh but, but yeah ugh. Yeah, and, and and remember, Corey Feldman like and full on Michael Jackson mode. Yep. In this movie, look, oh, he, like he's, him. I would say more Tommy Wiseau, but <laughs> yeah. yeah well, the, the look is now. Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, but he yeah. gets to do the Michael Jackson dance, dance. scene to impress mm-hmm. right. Meredith Salinger. Salinger. Yeah. But but yeah. but the, but the thing is, he has Jason. It's Jason Robards in 
uh, in, in the body. In, in the is body. he in the yeah. body at yeah. that point? Yeah. So yeah, at one point, so because I, I wrote in my notes, I'm like, wait, Jason Robards' character knows how to. Dance I thought like he Michael wasn't. Jackson? I thought he wasn't in the body yet. Well, that's so, so confusing about this. I, movie. I know. I, I I thought that that was Corey Feldman as Corey Feldman's character trying to impress right. Meredith Salinger, and then later that's, on, I I still again I don't yeah. know what happens in no. this movie. No. That's what it's, it's indecipherable. It's ugh. hard to follow. I remember the dance scene. I remember Meredith Salinger and in her dance leotard, and Corey Haim had a cane for some reason. Right. Yeah. Oh. And, and I and I th- I was in high school when this movie came out. Nobody looked like this. Nobody acted like this. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked like this. I'm like, mm-hmm. what planet is this movie on? It drove me nuts. This is the third yes. straight year with a dual Corey movie: Lost Boys in '87, License to Drive in '88, and they just get worse. They yeah. just <laughs> get worse. And I wrote in here like the color timer and cinematographer must have quit halfway through uh-huh. because the movie just like starts. goes to blue at yeah. one point. Oh like, my god! Yeah, it's um, weird. And and it ends with. Uh, Corey Feldman and Jason Robards doing a dance number and lip syncing yes. to Dream a Little Dream, the yes. song. Yeah. Uh, there's a Lost Boys poster in the background at one point. Oh, oh God, is there? Oh yeah, God. there is. Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, oh, my God, is this an insufferable movie. And, yeah. Uh, ah. I just I just Ugh. started making a list on Letterboxd because people keep asking me what are some of the worst movies you've ever seen. Uh, this is going to go on the list. Yeah. It I, should. This has to go on the list. because yeah, I, I, I better I, add it to mine. I've, I, I I've tried. I, I tried watching this like not recently, but multiple times. Like I, I didn't understand what the hell happened. Right. in this movie. There's, yeah, yeah, there's like uh, he, somebody's riding a bike and then bumps. Or Corey Feldman is riding a bike through the backyard of, yeah. Corey, uh, of Jason Robards' house, and they clunk their heads while Jason Robards and his wife are doing some spiritual mystic thing mm-hmm. uh, that makes no sense. And then that's how their bodies switch. And but it's not a body switch because they this they is their consciousness. Each other yeah, their consciousness because they're dreaming. Yeah. And it's the, uh, it's like oh man the one thing i can say though is that it uses some of my favorite songs which makes me hate it even oh, more oh god yeah and they, oh and they yeah, use Redding. rems it's the end of the world as we know it but they yeah. they, they they there's a spelling no. error in the credits michael <laughs> michael stipe <laughs> is now michael stripe whoa in this movie yeah wow yeah and they, they use freaking van morrison's into the mystic oh, yeah that too no, it's like this get, movie makes me so mad it's like get out meets the skeleton key meets a pile of flaming garbage oh man and, and harry dean stanton oh man oh he's in this isn't he yeah oh i forgot about that <laughs> I, I forgot about it was, was he one I of the fathers that in my i think he's one of the, i think he's jason robart's friend maybe okay or maybe but, he is one of the fathers. And the, okay. post, the poster for this movie, it's it's Corey Haim and Corey Feldman doing the back-to-back thing with their yes. arms crossed. We're the Corys. Yeah, we're the Corys, and this is our movie. And you know, Jason Robarts is like, thank Christ I'm not on the poster for this thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, but when you watch the movie, the credits are Corey Feldman, Jason Robarts, Meredith Salinger, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Corey Haim gets the and Corey Haim credit. Yeah, he does. Even though, mm-hmm. yeah, so... Yeah, Very I, strange. I, I, someone should <laughs> re-edit this movie, but take Jason Robarts out and just put in his scenes from Magnolia. <laughs> just some I don't know I don't that I don't know if it'll improve it but yeah. Yeah. it can't be any worse. Yeah. Well when he's giving the regret speech in Magnolia, you regret Regret, regret, regret. <laughs> he's thinking about just, dream a little dream. Clips, just clips yeah. of Michael Jackson doing the da- or Corey Feldman doing the dance with the Michael Jackson hat. That's what, oh. that's what went through like his mind. The, it's, it's, like, it's like the scene in Ed Wood where pull the string and then the buffaloes are in the background. Just oh my superimpose Mike, Corey Feldman doing the Michael Jackson dance against the regret speech from Magnolia <laughs> and you got a YouTube video that'll Holy get crap. at least 50 hits. The goddamn regret. 
Mm, well, we can skip and go over Police Academy 6. I don't remember anything about it. Can. Yep. I okay. Nothing. Okay. No, good. It's not good. <laughs> Colin, why don't you but take now, the? Why don't you take this one? Well, this is one of the big uh, stories of of the year. Mm. Um, Terry Gilliam's Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Yeah. Uh, this was an over budget, over everything movie. Terry Gilliam that, went over budget. Yeah. So well, a Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like Terry Gilliam doesn't know how to make a movie unless there's a problem. Um, <laughs> and this movie had its share of problems, except mm-hmm. that it turned out good. Yeah, it's um, not bad. I like it. It's the third. It's part three of his his the trilogy that starts with Time Bandits, which is about being a kid, and Brazil, which is about being an adult, and Munchausen is about old age. Right. And right. Um, you know, people kind of you can interpret it that Gilliam is Baron Munchausen, this kind of character whose stories don't really his flights of fantasy don't really fit with the decade that he's in, mm. which is kind of Gilliam's uh, dilemma throughout this decade. Um, because he he's always battling with studios and and, and yeah. you know going crazy with his vision and uh, this was uh, you know a, a, a bitch of a movie to make um, looks like it yeah and but it actually I think I think it's really it's really it's good uh, yeah it's entertaining but, yeah but it, the problem was it's like it would the the budget became the story but also that like. Uh, it, he made a, a kids movie for adults, and usually mm. when a director does that, the adults tend not to show up. Yeah, um, unless it's Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And and neither do the kids, and <laughs> uh, so and and the movie didn't the the studios uh, switched bosses uh, right before this film came out, and so the new people in charge at Columbia just didn't give this movie a chance to find an audience. They released it in a few dozen theaters and didn't not even as a platform release, but just like, this is what we're doing for it. You get a few screens, you get a few theaters and then we're done. We're moving on. And so the movie never really had a chance to find its audience. Um, but I, I, I think this is a, a, a really terrific movie. Uh, the bat, the final battle sequence is like a Marvel movie. Uh, in which all yeah. these characters get to use their powers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, running really fast or you know, blowing wind or, um, and 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 you know, to defeating the bad guys. Yeah, it was a bomb, but it, it was it was still nominated for four Academy Awards. Yeah, so, right, yeah. rightfully so. Bomb that year. Yeah, 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 and it kind of it's it's it still amazes me though that uh, and we'll talk about this in a couple of years, but that Gilliam's next movie would be with the same studio. Hmm. Like they would mm-hmm. actually let him do another movie for that studio after yeah, all that. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, which would be the Fisher King. Right. But yeah, that's no, good. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's got a great cast. Too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Fletch sequel. It exists. Yeah. yeah, it's there. Not as good as the no, definitely not, not. not nearly as good, but it has moments. It has you know, if you're a Chevy Chase fan, which many of us still were at this point, there's a better Chevy Chase movie later this year. Uh, oh yeah, it was a better Chevy Chase sequel later this year. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's got moments. The mystery's not as good. Uh, it it feels like another sequel we're going to be talking about in a couple months here. Uh, that f- feels like. They didn't quite get what made the first one work mm-hmm. so well, and one of the things that works so well about the original is that the mystery is good. Like there, there there's a real seriousness about it, and this yeah. one it feels there's like a, a second, like a second tier kind of thing. Like the, this is we're gonna do more of Chevy doing Chevy than Chevy doing Fletch and trying to you know 
and figure out what's what's really going on in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's you know it's got some moments in it, but it's it's a it's a pale comparison to the original film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I actually kind of like the story, or maybe I like the setting of it. I like the setting I mean, of it. Yes. yes, I think it's really yeah. cool. I like yeah. all the stuff between him and uh, Cleavon Little. Yes, yes, I like all that. <laughs> Which not, that's yeah, that stuff's good. That's the best yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, another underwater fish or underwater alien yes. movie. <laughs> Technically a fish, kind yeah. of a fish, yeah, kind of more, but turned out to alien be more of a chicken thing. monster. Yeah, um, as they Not described good. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember. You know, it was weird enough. You know, we're only a couple months away from Deep Star Six at this point, and I remember being really excited for this movie because I just thought I'm like Peter those Weller, type, like alien, you know. anything that rips off the alien. You know, template of sure. handful of people trapped somewhere, and there's a thing, something after them, and Peter Weller, obviously. I mean, I thought the, you know the cast was good. You got a Ghostbuster in there, and uh, you know, so I was really excited for this movie. It's not particularly good. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's really kind of stupid. Um, it's a step up from De- Deep Star. Yeah. Six, oh, it's much better than Deep Star Six. I mean, yeah. George Cosmatos directed this movie, well, and at least there's, there's, you know, there's some competent. some style. Yeah. There's some competency right. to the direction of it. It's, it's not particularly scary. Like the the preview to me was scarier than the actual movie because mm-hmm, the preview. Mm-hmm. Had this aura of mystery of you know are they what are they transforming what's going on and in the movie is just kind of like well they drink the vodka that's really not vodka and then they start turning into a fish monster that once revealed looks like a giant rubber chicken. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Not and very. Then, good. And then Peter Waller punches out Meg Foster at the end of the movie, yeah. and that's the end of the movie. How you feeling? <laughs> Butter, much better, and that's the end of the movie. Wow. As final lines go. Yeah. Not, not no. certainly not in the meat. <laughs> no, I'd say not. <laughs> Speaking well, of times yeah. up, and, and another movie not me too compliant uh, is uh, Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, tell us why. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't. I did you seen watch this, this recently? Actually. I did watch this I recently. Couldn't, I, I couldn't. do I, it. I, I, I've never seen it before. Really? Okay. But my mm. girlfriend has a sentimental attachment to it, and she knows it's not good. But yeah, you know, we, we like watching bad movies. Sure. sure. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop the music. You never give me an ounce of credit for anything I do. That's because you never do anything. Well, then I guess I'm going to do something right now. Approve. Mom's going to be our new troop leader. Who are you? Uh, Phyllis Neffler. Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, God. We may have watched this the same night as Dream a Little Dream, actually. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. We, we, we had a... <laughs> oh, <laughs> That oh, was wow. a night. I hope you had Lo- some liquor. Around. Oh, did we have liquor. <laughs> uh, which may be why my notes are a little fuzzy at this point. <laughs> Um, We're supposed to root for rich, privileged kids in in this movie. Uh, Frankie and Uh, Annette have a five-second cameo. Oh, oh. Pia Zadora, Dr. Joyce Brothers, and Robin Leach all in one cameo in this movie. Wow. Yeah, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There's a We Don't Need No Stinking Badges joke in this movie. Um, With, like, a Mexican character? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is... is Mm. Yeah, oh, this no. is a show. This is a the Shelley Long's big comedy where she she's the post Cheers you know. post Cheers. Oh yeah, one kid is reading a, a copy of Mad Magazine with a three men and a baby parody on the cover. So is that supposed uh, to be like the uh, take that Ted Danson? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, this wasn't exactly a shining. Yeah, Shelley Long didn't really do a whole lot, did she? Not like really. Hello, hello again. Out, uh, outrageous fortune, which oh, yeah, eighty-seven. Yeah. Right. Well, she uh, reconcilable differences. That's a good movie. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, that was, that, yeah, that was, that was, was eighty-three. Yeah, 80, that was eighty-three. Eighty-four. You're right. 84. Eighty-four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I like 
I, I think Outrageous Fortune is okay, but after that, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Frozen Assets. Mm-hmm. Ooh, cool. we'll, we'll get to that one. What? Ooh, boy. So, yeah, I think that's next year. It is next year. Yeah. So I'm not going to actively defend Dead Bang, okay. but, but I don't hate it. I, 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 I like John Frankenheimer, and there's something about Don Johnson's performance in this where it's, 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 it's a little hammy, it's a little crazy, it's a little over the top, and he, you know, he's, vomit, he's an alcoholic, and he's vomiting on, yeah. <laughs> on uh, criminals. So, but it, it peters out big time. I, mm-hmm. think by, I think by the end where he just, he's confronting all these you know, uh, white supremacists in this compound, yeah. it's not exciting yeah. or... Including the mystery white supremacist that, like, we didn't think he was that bad, but it turns out to use worse yeah. kind of thing, reveal. Um, and strangely yeah. enough, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think both Ron Jeremy and... Oh, I should have wrote it down. Maybe it was Vincent D'Onofrio. I don't know. But it was just like two guys randomly in the background and don't have any lines that I was just like, what are they doing in this? I don't remember <laughs> That was weird. That. <laughs> um, I just reckon... Well, I, I don't know how I recognize Ron Jeremy, but... You know. Sure. Sure, sure, Jim. Whatever. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's just like, what are those two guys doing in this movie not having any lines? It was just weird. Friends of Frankenheimer. I guess. He was a big Ron Jeremy fan. It's true. It's, it's in his possible. Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, Again, not the first movie we're going to be talking. Not the last movie we're going to be talking about with white supremacists this year. <laughs> um, but I, I watched this one again because we have a friend Sergio Mims from the Movie Madness podcast who really loves this movie. But I think he only loves it for the scene where Don Johnson vomits on the guy after chasing him down <laughs> and whatnot. That's my he favorite loves, moment. He loves that that scene. But the rest of it is, I mean, not that that scene's any good either, but the rest of the movie, it's just, it's ugly, and it's kind of incoherent. It's a little mean. It's not a great story. Like, they're, like, getting John Johnson to try to hunt down the guy that killed the cop, but, again, it's like, they, they kind of pull a bait and switch on, mm-hmm. on that aspect of it, and that doesn't make any sense. I don't think the woman's even seen again throughout the rest of the movie. Who Penel- plays Penelope the, and Mo- Penelope and Miller. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Penelope I know, I was Miller, disappointed. She just disappears, like, yeah. like, halfway through the movie. I, that disappointed me, and Bob Balaban disappears. Bob Balaban, yeah, and it, it's just, it's just, uh, it, was, it was like, people, like, wanted to do, like, Action Jackson with, like, white supremacists, but no one has ever seen Action Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Not that that's a defensive action Jackson at all, but uh, but it, it felt like like a Joel Silver produced mm-hmm. attempt at doing a '80s action movie, and here's the villains are white supremacists this time, but there's no action, yeah, in it. I mean, yeah. there's a couple shootouts, and but they're not well done. I mean, it's Frankenheimer. This is what you know. Some of people say that you know he's working for Scotch. That that kind of <laughs> I you can know, see one that, of those sure. types of things. Yeah. It's not a passion project by any stretch. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, I, it was fine. I don't know. Yeah. I was hoping for more. Yeah. More vomit. Mm, more, more vomit, vomit next please. Time. Yeah. Most people would die to get into it. Heather number one just looked right at me. I'm worshipped Westerberg, and I'm only a junior. Veronica would kill to get out of it. You were nothing before you met me. You're a Girl Scout cookie. JD has come to answer her prayers. I'm a no-rest build-up man myself. We'll kill her. He's got a way with women. A 
away with words. Is this as good for you as it is for me? Life can suck! And a very special way with a gun. Veronica can't live with him. Help! I love my dead gay son. I guess we can just go to Heather's. Yeah. Sure. Which is amazing still to this day. It's a it's an interesting movie to watch today. It is a little interesting yeah, to watch because, today uh, because this is a a, a a movie that at at the time didn't really catch fire. Didn't really um, you know grab a lot of people's attention as far as you know. I mean, it didn't get much of a theatrical release. I remember it, it, I couldn't go see it because it was playing at only three theaters, mm. all of which were way you know out of my wow. reach. Um, uh, when I watch it today, it's I I think there's no I, I know they tried to make a TV series out of this. Yeah, that's and weird. you can't retrofit Heather's for today's generation. It just doesn't work in the post Columbine mm-hmm. Trump era, right? Or, you know when or when or, or not even Trump, but like like we are so focused now on mental health and 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 taking ser- suicide very seriously yeah. and you know than we ever have before and this just heather's is a story that just you can't retrofit it for today um so it it's it's really it, it's kind of a i think it would be a difficult movie to watch for for somebody much younger than us um especially or, anyone that's ever gone through one of those particular tragedies right you yeah know. sure yeah on the other hand, this was exactly the movie I wanted in 1989 when I was in high school. <laughs> this movie spoke to me. Mm-hmm. I started yeah. wearing mm-hmm. a long black jacket because of this movie. You start oh, talking I, like Jack Nicholson, too? too? A little yeah. bit. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Moved um, around Baton Rouge. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so I I still love this Sherwood, movie. Sherwood, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, way he delivered some of those Benny lines. Smacky Snack Shack. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that a Coke or a cherry slushy? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. That's good. Um, yeah. it, I, I, when I watched it again recently, the thing that struck me about it is when you talk about the sort of the retrofitting of it, the thing that I found most interesting about it was the way the adults were reacting to the suicide, the way that they, because mm-hmm. the, you still see a lot of that today, the way that people try to force a narrative in yeah. how you're supposed to feel about these mm-hmm. types of tragedies. Now, in the movie, you know, a lot of the tragedies, it was a part of us that root for it a little bit. Some of these people are not good people. I mean, maybe yeah. they don't deserve to die. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, maybe. But, you know, we're, we're meant to laugh. Yeah. At, yeah, that's it's a dark demise. comedy. It, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's very dark. Um, it's, it's very uneasy when you get to the ultimate plan mm-hmm. of the movie. That's, that's not going to sit well... To no. a lot of people today, um, but you know, I, I I think the movie the movie still works. It, it's not. I yeah. don't think it's just a uh, a linchpin of 1989. Uh, you know, I think that this movie will mean something to different generations going forward. Even even if they look at it as a horror movie mm-hmm. in, in that respect, that they don't look at it as a comedy. I think you can you can view it in that spectrum and not lose anything for what the movie is trying to be. Yeah, no, I I remember this is one of those uh, unexpected bonding experiences with my dad because I did not expect him to like. Th- I mean, <laughs> did you have the Christian Slater relationship? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. He, he, did you he, call him son? He called no, you kind of dad. No. Um, but we like <laughs> that's funny. Um, it, it was just like 
I hadn't expected him to find this funny the way that I did mm. because we're you know different demographics and stuff. Sure. I mean, he had a twisted sense of humor too. I, mm. But I we just we lo- we laughed uh, pretty consistently throughout this movie, and you know yeah, watching it now, it d- there's definitely like oh yeah, I actually really feel a lot for these characters and not just like laughing at their expense either. I think when you finally get to the final stakes and the you know what ultimately Christian Slater is trying to say with his big petition thing mm-hmm. um yeah it, it taps into the like the you know the, the the columbine kind of mindset at the time but that's that really it's it's because he wasn't really bullied but he was also an outcast you know and then that christian slater performance plays out very differently a year later in a movie that really resonates with me that i can't shut up about right. um but yeah, no, I think this is still it still holds up really wonderfully, and the, 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 it's got a great ensemble, you know. But it's also like I mean, I joked with you about the dad thing, but it's shown that there is kind of a passed down, yes, you know, psychosis yeah. mm-hmm. that goes from father to son. And watching it, it, as an adult now, I kind of and I don't remember. I mean, when Columbine happened, everyone was kind of pointing at the Matrix. Yeah, mm. but you look at Heather's; it's a good point. You know, his outfit is not that far removed from yeah. what they you know the Columbine kids worn and nobody talked about that because you know it's always got to be the, you know, the now mm-hmm. yeah, well yeah and, and probably not a lot of kids are you know going back to Heather's in 1999 maybe just, not uh, yeah I mean it was it's always been just this kind of cult, cult movie, movie yeah. that mm-hmm. never like really took off except I don't know but it, it, well, I think since then it's obviously it's I mean more people then, yeah, yeah because there's it. been a it. lot of the yeah. big '80s resurgence of, of of things and um but I you know this is a movie that really took a long time to find its audience mm-hmm. it didn't really find it until video um you know it was coming from uh, you know New World Pictures and it was a you know on the public domain for a while it's mm-hmm. one of those kinds of movies mm-hmm. that never really had a distributor um so. Pre nine oh two one oh Shannon Doherty. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Too, yeah. And uh, um, Daniel Waters wrote the screenplay, mm-hmm. and, and Michael Lehman directed it. It was like a great debut by Michael Lehman. Unfortunately, it never really lived up to that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Apple Gates. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he didn't do a whole lot after that. That's right. right. But I mean, what you were saying about like creating a narrative around you know suicide it kind of reminds me of uh, World's Greatest Dad. In that regard, mm, yeah, yeah, that's, you know. yeah, that's, that's, a, that's another great dark comedy, well, and it's yeah. an interesting movie to sort of close out the '80s teen, uh, yeah, that, it's, it's yeah. Close, close, close out like the John Hughes finger. era uh, of teen movies. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. Like, it's like a reaction to the John Hughes yeah. movies. In yeah, a way. it feels like a middle finger to the all right. that, right? And saying, "No, this is what kids are really dealing with, and it sucks." And we mm-hmm. kind of just are Life angry. Sucks. We want to blow up the school and fuck them. Yeah, pretty much. But a movie comes down from that. To end the segment, I'll just say, I love my dead gay son. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Classic. A line too just, often there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> there's too many great lines in that movie. I don't even know what I'm going to clip out from all that. Car nuts! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Eric, right. how about you and Major League? I'm sure uh, you love it. I, I, I wouldn't say love. Oh, okay. Um, I've, yeah, I've always it, been okay it, with it. I'll, I'll, I'll lead by saying it's an incredibly misogynistic movie. Yeah, it's. I yeah. mean, it's. It's. I mean, the the female characters in this movie, with the possible slight exception of Rene Russo, uh, are not particularly well drawn in, in this movie. I mean, there's a whole subplot where uh, one wife gets back at one character for sleep cheating on her by purposely cheating on him and then telling him about it with oh, one of his players. Yeah. It's so. 
There's there's some icky stuff in this movie, but what I will say about this movie, which was written and directed by David S. Ward, who did The Sting, wrote mm. the, the Sting, uh, and a number of other things, it 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 does get base it, it does get the feeling of baseball right, like the plot. You know, it, it's it, it's a very familiar plot. Outcast. It's bad news bears just went in the major league, basically. Okay, mm-hmm. and this, you know, the the gathering of the team is is. It's pretty. It's pretty funny. Uh, how much can we swear on this? Oh, as much as you want. Uh, look, <laughs> look at this fucking guy. That's that. To this day, is a line that I, I I constantly use. And when you get to the final game, it, it's one of the better representations of what it means to watch a baseball game. To 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 yeah, really to be that. in the moment yeah. of it. It really understands the 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 weird intimacy that people have with wanting to root on mm-hmm. something that, you know, uh, has not come to fruition since 1954, I think is when the Indians last won the pennant. Um, and there's still, some, there's some funny stuff in the way. Charlie, yeah. she's got, got some laughs. Wesley Snipes, uh, is funny in it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't, you know, pardon the pun. I don't entirely go to bat. <laughs> For this movie, it's not a uh, home run per se. No, 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 no. They're much, they're much better baseball movies, including one we're gonna get to soon enough. Oh yeah, uh, but, but, but I appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah, I can see that, but I've yeah. always been okay with it. It's yeah, one of those I am, like. Yes, if it's on, I might leave it on, kind of thing. Yeah. Anything, Helen? Oh uh, no, I mean, I, it, it, <laughs> I thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it a mm-hmm. few months ago. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah right. I got nothing to say. Yeah. Okay, okay. I kind of like the dream team. Do you? Yeah. Speaking it's of mental illness, <laughs> I know <laughs> we it's, would it's making light. It's making light how we of perceive it mental illness. Another movie. Dream team. <laughs> yeah, another I, one that wouldn't really hold up today. Not necessarily. I it's think again, laughs. it's got some funny moments. It does. It definitely does. Courtesy of Peter Boyle and Michael Keaton, of course, and Christopher Lloyd, and Christopher and, yeah, Lloyd, and, Christopher and, Lloyd and Stephen Stephen First. First. Yes, yeah. it's a. I mean, it's a good team. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good. I mean, it's a good ensemble. Yeah, well, you know, and they they yeah. have, they have their moments. Each of them, I think, individually have great moments. It's one of the and the, again another theme <laughs> that has develops over the, this period of the eighties, where you have a potentially interesting comic premise, and then you have to throw in crime. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. you know, yeah, you know, we true. saw this, you know, in eighty eight with twins. Yeah, you know, for the example, mm-hmm. there's another one we're gonna get to in just a little while. Three that men and a baby. Three men and a baby, a perfect yeah. example Drugs of that. And the diaper. Yep. Yeah, there's like, like you have a good premise here, and you have. The right actors, yeah. You know, if you just write a screenplay, it's like they're like they're like we got this great setup, but we're gonna go crime, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh. yeah, that's true. That's sort and of that's fails what in, kind of fails like, in I that love, regard. I love the setup. I, I the love. I like the setup of this movie more than the X. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, where yeah, where it leads, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. But it's Michael Keaton, and Michael Keaton is God. So yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. he's got he's got my favorite reading of the word browse in any movie. Guys, go browse. Browse. <laughs> um, uh, d- underrated movie, I guess I'd say Dead Column. Oh yeah, yeah. Underrated movie. Well, I mean, I, it, it's it holds up really well. It does. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just but don't it, remember hearing a lot about it upon its release. Not necessarily. really. Cisco no. Niebert really liked it a lot. Okay. Yeah, it's liked, but it's never talked about. It's never like nobody. You don't hear about it as yeah. often. Yeah, yeah. Right. I will yeah, say that, that much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh. Produced by George Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Uh, directed by Philip Noyce. This is an early Nicole Kidman. Noyce. And. Uh, who becomes quite the badass in the second half of the film. Um, mm-hmm. Good quality kill at the end. 
Very oh. much so. Very much so. Now, this is a tight, beautifully tight, beautifully crafted tight and 85 minute thriller mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with like three or four characters in it. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's all takes place on these two boats or one boat, two boats, two boats, two boats. Two boats. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a terrific way to spend 90 minutes. Absolutely. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. I mean, Nicole Kidman had done a couple movies before this, like Rad and Wind Rider. Uh, <laughs> but people didn't really know who Nicole Kidman was until Dead Calm. And then I think yeah. Tom Cruise saw her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, who is that? Was, 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 flirt, was the movie yeah. Flirting? Is that after this? Yes. Uh, that is that was, after this, yeah. right? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So that, that was, was I mean, really yeah, but this was sort of the, like, who is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and Billy Zane, very good in this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Billy, mm-hmm. Billy Zane, there was, some, there was something with Billy Zane over the years that he could have really been something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's in Titanic and whatnot, but even in between dead common titanic there you know don't put billy zane in the water it's not going to turn out well yeah. um but you should listen to your friend billy yeah zane. and and survival island mm. <laughs> anyone yeah. i think i remember that. survival island yeah well they yeah. tried to make him the thing wasn't he the phantom he was the phantom oh, that's right. yes yeah. was 96 the phantom yeah, about that yeah, yeah they did they passed over bruce campbell and went with billy zane mm-hmm. true story interesting yeah bruce campbell really lobbied for to be the phantom and uh they like, nope, you're not big enough. So we're going to go with Billy Zane. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, Dead, Dead, Dead Tom is a, is a terrific thriller. Absolutely. Really great. Yeah. Speaking of terrific. I'm going to take out Diane Court. Diane Court doesn't go out. She's a brain. Trapped in the body of a game show hostess. We don't want to see you get hurt. I want to get hurt. So it's Lloyd and um, uh, let's go out. Oh, thanks, but I'm busy. So you're, so you're monumentally busy? Well, not monumentally. Hi, Boyd Dalmas. I'm an athlete, so I rarely drink. Kickboxing, I heard of kickboxing, sport of the future? I can see by your face, no. My point is you can relax because your daughter will be safe with me for the next seven, eight hours, sir. Hi. Whoa. Maybe Tynan Court really likes Lloyd. If you were dying in court, would you honestly fall for Lloyd? Yeah. 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 What are your plans for the future? Spend as much time possible with Diane? No, really. I'm totally and completely serious. I'm not sure if I should say, you know. I just want to no, tell you that... No, we don't have to say it. How do you know what I'm going to say? I don't know what you're going to say. I'm just going to tell you that thank I love you. you. I said it. I know. Gave her my heart and she gave me a pen. One of the great, yep. great screenplays of all time. One of my favorites. Everything about it is fantastic. Um, can't say enough good things about the relationship between the, the father and daughter here. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that gives it a whole other weight. I mean, yes, it's a great, you know, sort of coming of age romantic love story ultimately, but it, there's a, a lot of drama that's, that's very effective between this father and daughter late in the film that, you know, speaks to me even more now than anything. Yeah, um, it was a bit of a, as I remember it, it, the movie got a lot of praise, but there were critics who weren't really on board with the, you know, the final act when all the stuff starts happening with really? the dad. And crime. Hope. Yeah, crime. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think, I, I think it's beautifully handled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is kind of a, a weird shift. From it is a weird shift. Is. Yeah, I can admit that. Um, yeah. But, but it seems to, it just it works. works more. Yeah. The more you see the movie, the more, the better it works. Yeah. And, um, and Lloyd Dobler is one of the great characters of all time. I mean, it's my favorite Cusack performance, I think. Yeah. 
I think so. I mean, I'll have to think I mean, about that one. But... Grifters is he's really good in Grifters, yeah. but yeah. you know, to, uh, but, but again, you hear you have a romantic comedy or drama, whatever you want to classify it, with characters that are smart. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Lloyd Dobler is not again he he's not smart in the classical sense, but his intentions are yeah. so smart. Yeah, he's very you know his you know he's he, he's 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 a very good person. Even though he's might not have the the you know the skills to be a CEO in the CEO, future, right? Yeah. For for lack of a better you know job, yeah, I can see that. Uh, but all like when when he says, "All I want to do is be with your daughter," you know, that's a real tough line to write, let alone pull off, mm-hmm. because it you know I, I've I've had some arguments recently with with people who view the Ioni Sky character as this push and pull between the two male characters that they're 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 fighting for dominance over mm-hmm. this character and i i always argue that like well no cuz she's too smart for that yeah okay because she's not going to to allow herself she i mean she is the smartest character in the movie that's established mm-hmm. and she trusts one character so implicitly and is let down and wants to trust this other character and is constantly re- that's it's constantly reinforced yeah. what a good person he is and what he will be and if he again it's kind of like an opposite of me too because he's going you you've sensed that he's going to be good to her for the rest of his life that's and, that's and what you, you believe get out it of the right mm-hmm. you know right and you that's know, that's the conviction of Cusack in this role and the uh, debut of Cameron Crowe here and you can tell he, he was influenced by Billy Wilder and James L. Brooks, of course. I, I think produced it. Yeah, right? and, and again, it a tight movie. It's like ninety-five minutes. You know, really? You give yeah. It to, yeah, it's a ninety-nine-minute movie. So you take hmm. out the credits, and that's that's what you get. Uh, late great John Mahoney, obviously, uh, plays oh, plays the father in the so movie. Good. So uh, good. The movie that made In Your Eyes a staple for oh yep. yeah forever mm-hmm. uh, after this, even though it had come out a couple years earlier. Got a great great soundtrack uh, to it. Uh, yeah, absolutely one of my favorite uh, favorite movies. Yeah, 100%. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? I, I don't want to talk about She's Out of I'm just going to say, you want to talk about the absolute <laughs> oh, opposite. Oh, my God. Zero stars from Siskel and Ebert. Go yeah. Ahead. Go oh, ahead, Colin. This was another one that I watched. <laughs> Same night? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, Let's keep going, honey. These? We watched. We did. A, we did like over the course of a couple of weeks. We watched oh. a, a bunch of these shitty movies that oh. I had never seen before. I'd never seen this. Um, this might be like if I uh, maybe the worst film of the year uh, along with Dream a Little Dream. Sure. I, it's one of these two. It's rapier. Uh, it's oh. rape. Oh, it's rapey. Oh, we are meant to. It, it fetishizes young girls in high skirts and and leggings, like fourteen year old girls. Like this movie is like a serious fetish. With all of that, we're meant to ogle these as uh, these these girls as horny teenage boys do. Um, it's such a confused movie. It is. It is. It. it, it there. There are just so many awful things uh, that you know. Yeah, you said it was rapier, like. There's jokes in it, like you know, where t- Tony Danza is dancing with his daughter, and she says, "You know, Dad, what do people think if they see me dancing with my father?" And he says, hey, "They'll just think you're into older guys." Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, no. oh wow. Uh. Um, it 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 
it, it's it's a movie that doesn't go anywhere because Tony Dan the Tony Danza character keeps shifting his perspective on 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 what he wants, and so the movie has like no destination at all. Mm. And Wallace Shawn is it? Wallace Shawn actually Ooh. provides one laugh in the movie uh, that I guess maybe would put this as the second worst film of the year because Dream a Little Dream had nothing. But uh, yeah, but no. He says like I remember from because on pay per view viewers' choice they would show scenes yeah. from movies, mm-hmm. and I just remember like they would show the Wallace Shawn scene of him saying, "Do you know how many times boys think about sex?" Yeah, nine hundred. Yeah. I don't know how many times. Out of a yeah. thousand or something like that. Six hundred and thirty-three times or something. Yeah. Like that. No, he's, he's like number. a yeah. He's like a pseudo ther- sex therapist or whatever, and he, he he gives Tony Dan's a copy of his book, and he says, "In case you're a slow reader, put your daughter on the pill starting tomorrow." <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like that's the only funny joke. Like that. That's the part where I was like, okay. Wallace Shawn delivered that line pretty well, and it also but, reuses the song "Oh Yeah" from Ferris Bueller. Oh, I think. Well, yeah, during a lot of songs, during her lot of ten moment when she's oh, coming God. out of the water. Dad, How old is she in the movie? Her dad is looking at her too. Uh, How old is she in the movie? I'd have to look it up. This is Amy Dolan's. We're talking. about. I mean, it's this. she's a senior. Is she not? I mean, she does go to prom in the movie. She must be at least. Uh, I hope. I don't know. But the idea of people don't know the idea of the movie is that she's, you know, it's the classic glasses, braces, not good looking per se, teenage girl who then gets a makeover and then realizes that she has breasts. Yeah. Basically. And long legs. And Amy Dolan's was a thing for about a year and a half. Mm. After this movie, it was this and Wishboard Two. That's the, like the only Amy Dolan. <laughs> Wishboard Two and Tick. Oh, She's God. in Ticks. She's in Ticks as well. So she wow. was a teenager when she made this movie, late teens. Okay. But yeah. Uh, no, this is this is this is god awful garbage. <laughs> and who plays her prom date in the movie? Uh, Matthew Perry. Yes. All oh, right. Can't okay. believe I remember these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sad. Matthew Perry always kind of played a d bag up until Friends. If I if I recall, I remember seeing him in a few movies, and he always oh, he's in played. That, he was in that Jimmy Reardon piece has, of shit. Oh, Jimmy Reardon. Yeah. Blech. Yeah. Awful. Awful. That's another one that's going on my letterbox. Worst of all time. Yeah, I should start <laughs> writing some titles down. Um. Yeah. No. Blech. Not a good movie. No. Mm-mm. Disorganized crime. Not that disorganized. It's pretty good. You know, great ensemble. You know. Well, that was well. That was, that was my thought when I saw. Um. We might be getting a delivery here if the doorbell rings. Just give oh, you a okay. heads up. Um, uh, I remember when I saw the movie, you know, I was expecting it to be, you know, wacky, 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 you know. <laughs> but they're actually pretty good at the job. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like once they, you know, once you get sort of past the initial awkwardness of what they were brought together to do and they have no plan, once they commit to a plan, there's like a whole montage just like, no, these guys are pretty good. They're good at pulling <laughs> off a heist, right? They're good, pretty good at pulling off this heist that they're, they're going yeah. to do. And... Uh, the high, I mean, it's, I mean, taking out all the police cars with the dynamite, I thought was kind of clever. Like, there's only six cars in this town. We could take out the oh, entire right, police right, force. Yeah. I thought that was kind of clever. Uh, Ed O'Neill made me laugh. He always you know, does. He, yeah. Typically, Fred Fred yeah, Fred Gwynn is mm-hmm. terrific. Um, I, I, I was one of those movies, kind of like, eh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, in the middle of the road. It, yeah, it came out. It played at our theater, and I remember when I saw it, I was like. I'm just killing time until I'm getting picked up or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, this actually isn't bad. It's okay. I mean, yeah. I thought yeah. it was going to be garbage, but it's actually right. okay. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. <clears throat> okay, where to, where to next? I wonder. I have just created something totally illogical. That's what I like about it. 
Look. You didn't say. I hate it when that happens. Me too. Who's your invoices? Ray is. <laughs> I think I know what if you build it, he will come means. Ooh, why do I not think this is such a good thing? Daddy, there's a man up there on your lawn. Are you a ghost? What do you think? You look real to me. Hi! You couldn't see it. This is really interesting. You believed in the magic. It happened. Isn't that enough? Annie, it's more than that. I feel it as strongly as I've ever felt anything in my life. There's a reason. Go the distance. Did you hear the voice, too? Did you hear it? Go the distance. Yes. Our grave is dead. He died in 1972. Are you Moonlight Graham? No one's called me Moonlight Graham in 50 years. Unbelievable. It's more than that. It's perfect. You build a baseball field in the middle of nowhere, and you sit here and you stare at nothing. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. Baseball season's coming get the clean, up. Get, yes. the, get the Kleenex out. out. Mm-hmm. Get the Kleenex out, please. Yeah. You're not kidding, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Clearly, we're talking about field, field of Dreams. Yeah. It feels weird to talk about this movie so early in the year. Yeah, because it did get a Best Picture nomination. Uh, got oh. through only three nominations. Yeah. Best Picture, I think, the screenplay and like, the score maybe got um, nominated. It was not the score. No, I, no, and and you would think it would be, but I I, I have a slight theory as to why the score wasn't nominated. Okay, it's uh, James Horner. Yes, um, mm-hmm. who tends to repeat. It, yes. Oh, does he repeat in this score? Okay. Uh, he's repeating a lot of Journey of Natty Gann in this score. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. Okay. So oh, it's been a long a time whole, since I've seen Natty Gann. Yeah, there's a whole chunk that is like, when I watched Natty Gann recently, I was like, wait a minute? That's yeah. Field of Dreams. Okay. Okay. So makes, That only makes me want to watch Natty Gann again. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, that, that doesn't matter because it, it works in both movies. So, it, you know. Everything but works. In everything this movie. works in this movie. And there's yeah. a lot of things that shouldn't work about this movie. It's so delicate. It's so, like, the slightest thing could really uh, just collapse this whole film. The slightest wrong move, mm-hmm. the slightest miscasting, the slightest, uh, you know, music cue going overboard. Because uh, it's, it, it's a movie that asks a lot of the audience. Uh, but it's, it is earned. Like, everything about it is earned. Um, so it's, it's, it's a remarkable movie just because it... It's it's one of those things where you, you I'm sure if you just read the script and you'd be like uh, I don't know how are you gonna pull this one off because it's it's you know um, and come across as really maudlin and it, sappy there's and so many ways this could have been yeah. a disaster and it's not and I remember all. how you you had said how key Costner's performance is to this movie that you because he believes. Mm-hmm. in it and you can see him believe in it that it makes it easier for us to yeah. mm-hmm. through him yeah um, very true i remember I, I, i've told this story man on the podcast before but renting this movie and the vhs watching it and by the end of it i wasn't crying but i was just amazed yeah mm-hmm. that this journey that this movie took me on and it took me up to this point i didn't see it coming even though there are many clues throughout the movie. The more you watch it, and I was just I like I I couldn't believe that a movie pulled it off as right. well as it mm-hmm. did. Yeah, and then I showed it to my dad, mm-hmm. and he was crying like a baby. 
so was by mine. the end of it. <laughs> yeah. mm. And it was that moment that I got it, that yeah. I understood what was so special about this movie. And 30 years now, there's E.T., and then there's Field of Dreams. And they're the only two movies I can think of where if you just put on the last 15 minutes, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. You know, and I don't think there's ever been uh, a more perfect. I don't think Costner's ever had a more perfect line reading in his entire career than the moment he actually says the word dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he, because they don't, he doesn't acknowledge it. He knows it. He doesn't acknowledge it. And he's walking away and it's off screen even. And you just hear him, the broke, kind of half broken yeah. voice. And yeah. he just like, like he wants to say it, but he's still kind of afraid to say it. And he does it. And it just, just bam, waterfalls mm-hmm. after that. Instant. Yeah. Um, I'm hosting a screening of this movie at Elk Grove oh, man. in April. <laughs> I'm going to come out for that. I, I want don't to see know if I'm going to get I'll through it mess. immediately. Yeah. I'll uh, be like a ET, mess. one time I said we're going to take a five minute break before we start this, <laughs> and uh, and we'll see where it goes. But I got through it here. So, yeah. um, but no, and and again, it, it it understands the pure kind of purity of baseball. It understands mm-hmm. when James Earl Jones' speech in that movie is so amazing, and and also you know the the the, the book which I want to, I'm going to reread. That's not a surprise at the end of the movie. Hmm. We know that's going to happen in the mm-hmm. book. So to make that as a mystery is kind of one of the real great things I think Phil Alden Robinson does yeah. with that screenplay to leave that as a mystery. Uh, yeah, and so I just I. It, it's such a special movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's like I, I get the same feeling from this movie that I would like a Frank Capra movie, and you know, oh, it's, it's, it's yeah, I you mean, know, it's I mean, it's, it's, it. it's like a yeah, it's like kind of an homage to that to that style mm-hmm. and that feeling and that sort of um, you know hope for connection with you know yourself, with your family, with your environment, with something yeah spiritual to some degree. The way that something can be a conduit to yeah. something more difficult a relationship that is strained in some way um, I mean a couple years later in City Slickers mm. Daniel Stern has the when they, all the guys are talking about baseball and Daniel Stern has the speech where he says you know my dad and I didn't agree on anything but we could always talk about baseball yeah. and that's kind of what you get in Field of Dreams you, that, that there's this one thing that could connect them and their relationship was so strained that even that was severed but now this like with the Black Sox, the whole idea that they were disgraced in some way, and Shoeless Joe historically was probably not, mm. you know, didn't didn't throw things. So there's a redemption story throughout this entire uh, movie. Even if some of the Black Sox probably didn't reserve redemption, some of them, yeah. but they're in the movie anyway. No good. Call, good call yeah. with like just showing the the final moments. That would, it's like, yeah, if I was an actor and I needed to cry. Just throw this on. Yes, <laughs> right. And now it's like, yeah, now I finally have the love that you guys have for E.T. Like, now that I've seen it uh, five times as an adult, I, mm-hmm. I'm i a mess now. I don't know why I didn't love it as a kid. I still don't understand that, but I'm glad I do now. Have mm-hmm. either of you been to the actual Field of Dreams? I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was there once uh, a few years ago. I, should I went there. There was a uh, – I, I used something as an excuse to go to the Field of Dreams. There was a bowling tournament in <laughs> Iowa not far away mm-hmm. from it, and it went on Friday, and then, like, Saturday like, – like, Saturday morning went to the Field of Dreams – did the whole thing, played catch on it, and all that kind of stuff, and then went to the bowling tournament. <laughs> so I was inspired, and I almost won, yeah. uh, but I didn't. Um, but no, it was—I mean, that was—it was awesome. Yeah, I want to go back um, because I—I 
Well, I, I think it has since changed owners, um, mm. so it might be a little different now. But uh, you just go there and you just walk around, and it just you feel something like a weird connection to. It. And I'm not a baseball person, mm-hmm. and I don't have. Yeah, I'm not the, as crazy. And I, yeah. but, but yeah. I'm, but I still, when I was there, just got, had this weird interest, like weird feeling. Like it was cool. Like I mean, I loved it. It was great. Did yeah. you do um, the James Earl Jones moments where you went up to the corn and kind of looked in and got <laughs> yeah, a, <laughs> a, yeah. a laugh or whatnot? Up to the corn, yeah. Oh. Um, and then because uh, I, I want to go back, and uh, my girlfriend's never been there, so we're gonna go and. Uh, sometime this year, and uh, and then we'll we'll go but go to Galena where they also shot it. Yeah, right. Uh, in Illinois. Oh, cool. Um, so, I think yeah. they, I think they shot all the Burt Lancaster stuff there. It's mm. funny that my dad and I bonded over this movie, of course, but then we I think we bonded even more on Phil Alden Robinson's next movie that we'll talk about. Moonlight Graham, a real years. guy, by the way. Hmm? Moonlight Graham, a real guy. Oh, yeah. that's that's that that stat is actually in hmm. the books. Hmm. Oh, yeah. wow, interesting. Yes. I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is Church all right? Why, Judge? I have no reasons. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judge? What we did, Lois, was a secret. Maybe I... I don't know if I. I don't think I like Pet Cemetery even when I first saw it. We should talk about it considering there's a remake coming out shortly. It's yeah. not good. It's not good. I like Fred Gwynn. Of course, he's the best thing in it. He's the best thing in it. He's really good in the movie, but everyone else is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I think that's because I think Mary Lambert brings a mood mm. to it. Yeah. And the mood is trying to give you the movie you think it is. Mm-hmm. But then people start reading lines. <laughs> yeah. And and I was really struck that when I watched it again, I was really struck how not good the young girl is mm-hmm. in the movie that kind of because i i thought i remember her being kind of uh, sympathetic and whatnot and this was just like oh stop acting <laughs> yeah um it's yeah. a hard it's a hard book to live up to because it's it, it a is terrifying a, book. it is very terrifying and it's really a movie can only suffer by comparison but uh, I mean, we'll see. Maybe maybe the remake will. What do makes it, it the book? Because I've never read the book. What makes the book, particularly at the time that you remember, remember reading it, that there's, makes it so terrifying? I think there's just something about the pacing of it and just the slow build up to this. King is just kind of at the top of his form in that book, yeah. Where he's just um, the horror is felt, even though nothing horrifying is happening yet. Okay. There's something uneasy about everything that's around it. Um, and then once, you know, all this stuff happens with the cat and everything, uh, there's just something like, I don't know, he, he tapped into something at at that time that, you know, as, you know we're, a lot of us are pet owners mm. and we're not quite sure where our pets' moods <laughs> come from yeah. and what, you know, uh, <laughs> their behavior comes from. And so you just... Yeah, they're kind of a mystery. Yeah. And, and uh, did you guys have cats around that? Yeah. Time? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was, I was, I was allergic. So <laughs> I, I think didn't. even Stephen King said that he had to stop writing at one point because it scared him. So we much. threw it. He put it in a drawer. Yeah. yeah. He, he yeah. put it in a drawer. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, it, uh, it's creepy. I'm, I'm curious to see the remake. I hope it's good. We'll see. We'll see. I should. They, they change. It's changed. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, although I think I think this movie should have been nominated for best song. The oh God, yes! No, the song <laughs> oh, is great. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, be buried yeah. in a pet cemetery. <laughs> I don't want to live my life again. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the best things about it too. Yeah. 
Mm, Teen Witch. Oh, <laughs> top Please, that. Colin. Top oh, that. Pat, uh, Robin Lively. <laughs> it's a cult movie. It is. Oh, it has yeah, a cult following. It's fine. Oh, absolutely, it's it does. Nice. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying, like, there are a lot of people who love this movie for, you know. Uh, is it just the rapping scene? Supersonic, idiotic, disconnected, not respected. Who would ever really want to go and top that? Such a waste of pretty face, but hanging in your nose face. I wish that you would take a look and really stop that. Top that. Well, stop that. I don't really give up about trying to top that. Top that. Stop that. I wish you finally take a real look and really stop that. Did it become some because of the, yeah, because the witchery thing that's happened over? I mean, Hocus Pocus has become a thing too, right? Oh, it yeah. could be the same. Charmed it could and, be the same kind of thing, but this is more like I think, you know, people put this in the same category as The Room. Um, really? Or, yeah, because it is a bad movie. Yeah, it is a fun like. It's that bad a movie. Like well, it's the, not like incompetent to that level of like filmmaking incompetent, but it's just there's something about it that is incredibly stupid uh but and still somewhat kind of watchable okay um mm. i mean you know i'm not i'm not coming to the film's defense don't get me no, wrong i get that but it's it is uh it bears mentioning even though i don't remember it being out at all i don't remember this thing getting a theatrical release in chicago uh-huh. uh i i and I, when i started hearing people sort of talking about it in the same breath as the room and and you know best you know movies that are so bad they're good when that started sort of becoming in vogue teen witch was a movie that got mentioned a lot i didn't hmm. know that yeah and i didn't uh, either actually. so i finally saw it like a few months ago and um i was like yeah okay i could i could see like why people would put this on and just kind of riff on it because it's a, it's a fun movie to riff on <laughs> okay um, okay yeah, yeah yeah no but yeah th- there's, there's there's like Kid, there's kids who like rap in it. Yes, uh, it, that's like something these, I remember. Like, bumpers in the yeah. throughout the film is like, oh god, this is terrible. There's a rap off musical number no. uh, in the middle of all this. Yeah, there's no, like these three jagoffs who keep uh, popping up in the movie. <laughs> they're not like Greek chorus. They're not rapping about anything that's going on. They're just rapping. Um, yeah. So no, but Robin Lively's kind of charming. And, you know, yeah, I like she, her. She shows up again this year, and it's like a pseudo musical. There's like. There's like these cheerleaders oh, yeah, doing a cheer, but it's not a cheer. It's a full-on musical number, a song called "I Like Boys." So I mean, yeah, this is just dumb. But see, I don't remember. So I don't. Yeah. I actually don't remember ever seeing this movie. I saw yeah. the Worst Witch on HBO with Farusa Balk and Tim Curry. Okay, I saw really? that. Yeah, <laughs> I like both of them. Maybe I'd like the movie. It's probably better than Teen Witch. Okay, <laughs> probably. I think it was only like an hour. Huh. It wasn't like a movie movie. It was like a. Well, even Special. when this even when this played pay per view, I, I I was like, isn't this just like a Disney ABC Family movie kind of a thing? I, like, I didn't see anything like uh, dark and like subversive and interesting. To ABC Family, yeah. yeah. So I I I think I saw bits and pieces of it, but okay. never the whole thing. Yeah. Um. Are we mo- we're moving yeah. on? Yeah. Um, so not that we need to you know go in depth on this, but Red Scorpion, Dolph Lundgren's <laughs> film p- produced by Jack Abramoff. Right. Mm, okay. Right. Uh, not good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's got it's got some 
Rambo level violence that I can certainly appreciate in it, but it's it's pretty dumb. Uh, Speed Zone was Cannonball Run three. People oh, oh, yeah. might forget about that with John Candy. With John Candy, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is not that good. was very forgettable. Yeah. Right. Um, a good movie though in in April that I'll mention is a movie called Miss Firecracker. Um, and actually, I have an interesting. I actually saw this in the theater, and I have a story about seeing this in the theater. But I I think I'll I'll save it for later for another movie. Good. Um, okay. But <laughs> but this is actually a good movie with it's uh, Holly Hunter, Tim Robbins, um, Alfre Woodard, uh, from a script by Beth Henley. Um, oh really? Okay. Holly Hunter is freaking adorable in this movie. I mean, she's adorable she always, in everything always, in this era. Always. But this movie, like, if you're a Holly Hunter fan, don't skip this one because she is adorable and she can dance. Like, she's a really she has a really complicated <laughs> dance in this movie. It's all it's just her. But uh, it's like, wow. She when I saw this, I was like, wow. Holly Hunter can do everything. I guess that, that, that this is an actress who can do everything. So I'm I'm upset that I didn't. Rewatch this one. It's, well, it's yeah. hard to find. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it is really hard, hard to find. find. Yeah. You, but uh, Tubi TV, Tubi. Oh right, TV, yeah, you told me okay. about uh, that. Has it? So T U B I dot TV. Okay. Uh, if you want to watch it, it's it's it's, it's good. I'm not sure great, it's good. but it's I'm good. I'm sure it's good. Okay. Yeah. Are you gonna talk about Loverboy? I'm not gonna talk about Loverboy. Uh, I hate it. You hate. I mean, Loverboy? I, I, I hate. Well, I did hate it when I was. I, I like. Well, we we I, have we. A friend of mine and myself have a fascination with the the Italian delivery boy. In the movie, his the guy that's like the stereotypical oh, yeah. Italian. Like, yeah, you know he brings a piece in. It is all broken, you yeah. know. And then he's chasing down uh, Kate Jackson for like the last twenty minutes. I love you. Just, right. I, just, that's the stupidity and the, that's right. <laughs> the utter yeah. just stereotypical nature of that just cracks us up mm-hmm. every time. I love you. <laughs> Oh boy. It's, yeah, and I, I, I this is the period where I where I hated Patrick Dempsey. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Speaking of actors, we all hate. Uh, <laughs> if we're moving on to May, I don't know. Is there anything else? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'll just mention that the horror show is a really weird enigma of a movie because okay. now it's known as House Three, which makes no sense. No, has no connection at all to the other house movies and it's essentially shocker it's essentially another you know guy gets electrocuted and can jump into other bodies kind of movie yeah it's, it's, it's really awful it's lance hendrickson as the cop brian james as the killer yeah and it, because if you did work in a video store at any point you will remember that there was a house four Yes, and that and was confusing. Everyone was like, "Where's House 3? And apparently, all this whole time under our nose, it was the horror show. <laughs> uh, Who knew? Also featured Dee Pfeiffer in a shower. Gene Wilder. I'm death. Repeat death. Richard Pryor. I'm blind. Repeat blind. Together again. We can hang out like this more. In trouble again. Wally, there's a gun here. Between the two of you, you saw and you heard everything. He reads lips, you're talking too fast. Was there or wasn't there a woman? Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman. On the run again. I think we should kill them. Don't guide me, they're looking for a blind guy and a deaf guy. Stamp your feet, I'll follow the sound. I feel ridiculous. You look fine to me. Oh, Who the hell was driving? The biggest of blind guys. Right, right. Couch, couch, couch. Richard Pryor. You mean I'm not white? So I was uh, a huge at this point. I was a huge Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor fan in general, uh, and I think it, it it took me a while. To, I don't think I saw it when it came out because I was probably too young. But 
See No Evil, Hear No Evil is one of those movies where I, I, I know it's terrible, essentially. And I know that, again, we have another crime plot involving a coin or something ridiculous. It's like a spy crime kind of caper thing. And they get involved, they get mixed up in this whole debacle. There are just moments where both of them make me laugh. It's, it's a, I would not go to bat for this movie at all. But I, you shouldn't. A, I know. I know, and I don't. I don't, I don't plan on rewatching it anytime soon. And it's, it's probably it does not play well. And it's a very misogynistic movie for sure. I think. Oh yeah. yeah there's a <laughs> lot of questionable behavior by all of them. I think. Not Plus, mention, you have a Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kevin Spacey, who in the movie for some reason has a giant mark on his face like he like someone yeah. punched him but it's not in the plot anywhere so the right. entire movie looks like he has a giant bee sting on yeah. his uh, at like the top of his cheekbone and like where did that come from why is that <laughs> i know in that there? was that was a part of the it's mystery a, it's a weird thing it. here's what i'll say about see no evil hear no evil um i don't know exactly when richard Pryor got diagnosed with ms but I think it was around this time. It was had to be around this time because you can tell even just his appearance, he had clearly lost. It wasn't like another you. It hadn't that's, quite gotten yeah, to that level yet. That's a couple years later. Tell. Yeah, you could. But tell. you could tell that he had. He wasn't the Richard Pryor even just from a few years ago. Sure, appearance wise, sure. he still had it. He was still Pryor. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, I will. You know, Gene Wilder when he. Yells, yeah. When he gets manic, when, he, it's when Gene Wilder it's still, gets manic, it's yeah. still funny. It yeah. was still funny, uh, absolutely. Even to this point, and again, the crime stuff again, I think ruins what could have been Stupid. a really, yeah, potentially really good movie and a good movie that could have been looked back upon because the stuff that I do like about this movie is when Gene Wilder is forced to guide. Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. and the way he says his name is like, Wally, come, come this, you have to come this way. Go left, go right. And that stuff in the movie, I think, works really well. Yeah, it's a good buddy pairing comedy yes. of sorts. And I, there's because there's a scene before the crime plot happens, after they've had their kind of their initial meet cute sort of thing, and then they, they, there's the fight scene where he, you know, <laughs> makes him, you know, guides his arms and whatnot. And they have this conversation where it's like, well, here's two characters who are actually identical. Like we're getting to know through their afflictions, and right. like actually speaking frankly. And there's a moment where he, you can see Richard Pryor almost tear up, and mm-hmm. it was a moment that really struck me when I re- rewatched this movie because it, it he's he's actually talking almost like he knows about well, his diagnosis. Going on with him, yeah. And it's be again, it's before the. Kevin Spacey, Joan Severance, oh Joan Severance, uh, yeah, stuff kicks a, into kicks nice. into the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, really, and it guided me through the rest of the movie, which is kind of stupid, it not is. that funny, but when the two of them are just alone together, yeah, you sense a real friendship beyond the characters mm-hmm. they are, and that got me through the movie in in a different kind of way. Yeah. Watching it again, yeah, just watching them together, there's joy in that. Yes. in general. We are not going to escape Listen to Me because I took the time to watch that <laughs> damn movie and wow. I, I can't watch Kirk Cameron. Movies. Wow. Uh, are you telling me this is not like the quintessential movie about debate? Oh my God. Culture? Oh my God. Uh, the third worst film of this year. Oh, okay. yeah. Go, go, Colin, go. Yeah, Kirk Cameron and Jamie Gertz are uh, at, at, at odds when they are uh, in at their... Uh, oh, oh, yeah, Kirk, Kirk Cameron's from the South, 
So he's copying a southern <laughs> accent, a really bad one. Oh, and no. Jamie Gertz is, you know, the opposite of a southern yokel. Um, oh, my God. And, oh, yeah, Roy Scheider's there. He, he's, he's the, the debate, debate coach, the right? The debate coach. Oh, yeah. So they're trying to make this, like, stand and deliver thing uh, happen for this movie. Um, but with white people. But with white people. Yes, it's a white person standing You deliver. can live up to your potential. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, the dumbest subplot is uh, the villain, by the way, in this movie is Brett Kavanaugh. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, the character is Brett Kavanaugh. He's in college. Beer, uh, beer's got to be involved. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he wants to be a writer against his dad's wishes. And, you know, but his dad, you know, you're going to be Another a Another theme that's going to develop. Right, later <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. And I saw this movie <laughs> recently, and I was like, when is this guy going to dead poet society yeah, himself off? Oh, no. Hurry. No. Please kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, there's a debate montage. Just think about that for a second. Uh, a huh. debate montage uh, to Tutti Frutti that which the song ends before the what? end of the montage and then the, the another song comes in and it's like a St. Elmo's <laughs> Fire kind of song. Um, oh, please tell me Richard Pard did the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those kinds of things. Um, That's Michael McDonald, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Close. Yeah, they're all close. Um, oh, here's another here's, a, here's a, a, a thing they tried to work into the vernacular. For this this movie, um, at one point a woman says, "With all seriousness," because a, uh, a, a guy, um, I guess, said to her that he he lifts cars, and they're like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> and she says, "Oh, guys say that they lift cars to ease ac- the ache in their balls." Like, I'm sorry. What? Yeah, I was like, "Oh, excuse me, excuse me, what? Nobody's ever said that. No man has ever said this." How is that? Like, awesome. oh yeah, we men men say they lift cars. I lift cars. That's how I ease the ache in my balls. Yeah, that's how. That's how I ease. Do you see, ever see anyone lift a car? Yes. In the next scene, Kirk Cameron is trying to lift a car because he's sexually frustrated. This happens in the film. That one that doesn't work. Right. No. <laughs> no. No. I can't. No. This is what. But but the movie's like trying to like work this into the vernacular. Like we're gonna make this a thing. Lifting cars. This is gonna be. Uh, this is gonna be. Uh, oh my God. Uh, yeah. It's gonna be a trend. Um, yeah. The, the, no. The movie knows nothing it. about sex or, hey, or or anything. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> to sorry. find this scene. Yeah. Is, is it, it is it here. possible, yes. Colin? Is it possible that. You're misinterpreting. No. What did Tucker mean when he said lifting cars? He meant that he's dying of terminal horniness. Guys say that they lift cars to relieve the ache in their balls. Oh. This was a trick planted by women into this movie to trick guys to lift cars to give them hernias (laughs) so... They can't be. Se- they'll be sexually frustrated in a different way because they can't perform anymore because they have hernias. That is the kind of logic I expect from a Kirk Cameron film. So okay. you could be onto something okay. there. Okay. Um, here, oh, here, early in the film, here's another thing this movie knows nothing about when it comes to sex. Uh, Kirk Cameron's Kirk Cameron uh, early in the film he he walks in on his roommate who's having sex with a, a woman and Nancy Valen from Loverboy. Oh, uh, maybe I don't this know. is the only thing I remember about this. Oh my movie, god! By the way. And uh, Cop Rock. <laughs> And in, uh, and when he when Kirk Cameron walks in, his roommate doesn't finish. Instead, he gets up, tells her to leave, uh, so he can talk to his new roommate in the middle of sex. Um, um, yeah, that's never happened. No, no, you did, what? Mm-mm-mm. No. And okay, so I made a note to myself. <laughs> Who would do that? I I made a note to myself to uh, look at IMDb for important trivia. So this is a movie. <laughs> 
So I and, and I know what this I'm. This is I know the Listen to Me podcast. <laughs> yes. So yeah. No, you got to watch this movie. It's it's okay. I'm going amazingly to. terrible. Um, to because oh, this is a movie about a abor- uh, an abortion debate. I was gonna or, I was gonna ask what was the debate yes. topic in oh, this movie. It's the worst debate scenes you've ever seen. Like the most pedestrian debate scenes, and they're like arguing. They're doing their debate in front of the Supreme Court justices. Who are like giving these admiring looks, like, oh, no. oh yeah, this Kurt Cameron guy knows what he's talking about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with him. He's, he's got my vote. Um, so I assume that they're taking the pro-choice. Uh, version. yes, I believe so. Kurt yeah. Cameron taking a pro-choice. Uh, <laughs> Deep. If you want to watch this movie, it's on Amazon Prime, and I think from the writer of the Scarlet Letter remake. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah, was it a woman? No. Uh, no, Douglas no. Day Stewart is okay. the, is the gentleman's okay. name. Uh, he also wrote the Blue Lagoon. Yeah, it's about right. It's making sense now. Yeah, it's uh, it's all coming together now. Officer and a gentleman, though. What? what? Yeah, I know. That's okay, odd. So that is, Un- unexpected. Well, that's that a movie a- that's also got some misogyny in it too. Mm, yes. Yeah. No. But, sure. I, but, I, but the it, idea of Kirk Cameron debating pro-choice, I think, is kind of funny. I, I, you know, yeah, it is. It I, is very I funny. I think it was pro-choice. I don't remember specifically. Because I was just like, I can't imagine they would have heroes of the movie debating against. No, I think no. Actually, no. Now that I think about it, now I think it was pro life. Um, Because the broke Brett Kavanaugh, if he's their opponent, he would have to be. No, no, no. He's not the opponent. Oh, he's He's, not. He's he's the villain in another sense. Oh, he's like he's trying to win over Jamie Gertz. He's trying to woo Jamie Gertz away from Kirk Cameron. Does he do it by lifting cars? (laughs) <laughs> Look what I can do! <laughs> now I'm not sexually frustrated. I lifted a Buick. What? <laughs> I know I've seen this movie before because yeah. there was a time when I was interested in debates. <laughs> yeah, well, and this, I, knew, I can see why. But I don't remember anything about it. it except that scene where the the roommate, the the girl leaves the yeah. the, the room. Yeah, because she's the girlfriend in Lover Boy. That's, oh, and she was well, also on Cop Rock. Amanda Peterson's in this as well. Unfortunately, I mean, she was in. in Listen to Can't, me, Amanda Peterson. Yeah, I know. Oh. Can't, Can't buy me love, love and this. Yeah, an explorer. Poor girl. Okay. Yeah, poor girl. Yeah. Okay. That took the wind out <laughs> of the sails, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Kirk no. Cameron, you son of a bitch. We're, we're in May, by the way. Now. Yeah, we are, and uh, <laughs> Earth Girls are easy. It's there kind of go. a fun there movie. There we go. Yeah. Ridiculous, silly mashup. It's I like it. Right. Yeah, I like, I like it. it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, weirdly enough, PG rated with that title. I yes. wouldn't have thought um, that at all. I mean, you see a lot of Gina Davis in this too. It's one of the longest bikini scenes I think in film history. I think that's a, yeah. almost a record. I wasn't that into it when I saw it at the time because I had kind of a different expectation of it because it was from Julian Temple. Who this was his follow up mm-hmm. to Absolute Beginners, which yeah. I really liked. Yeah, and I was kind of hoping for one of those really long tracking shots that he did in that <laughs> movie. And I was like, eh, this, is, this isn't really doing this it. It's pretty me. wacky stuff. Yeah, if you want to see it's early like Jim Carrey yeah. and uh, Damon, Damon Wayans and Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum now. actually restrained in this movie com- comparative to the other characters. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's 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 a goofy little fun yeah. relic yeah. thing. Yeah, it's kind of slight, but. I, I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. I, it's, yeah. it's, it has its moments. When Julie Brown was popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I like the I like the, 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 the musical numbers are entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that. And that's <laughs> that. Now I know. You, did you watch Return of the Swamp Thing? Uh, yeah, I did, and that became a whole thing. I know, right? Why? Uh, I, well, I posted on Facebook. I don't know. I was just—it was late at night, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna fall asleep in a half hour. I'm just gonna put something on I can fall asleep mm-hmm. to. And I had it. Netflix sent it. Apparently, I put it in my queue, um, and there it was. And uh, <laughs> and sure enough, I did fall asleep to it. But before I did, I like posted on Facebook. I'm watching Return of the Swamp thing because it mm-hmm. seemed like a funny thing to post. Yeah, like why would I watch this movie? Right. But it, let's put it on Facebook and just for fun. And then like everybody, like Eric Laws, your friend, commented, yeah. and then like Sergio and commented, and suddenly everybody's commenting that I'm watching. <laughs> they're why? Big, they're what big were the comments? It, it I mean, a big thing. I don't know, but it was anyway. Other than Heather Locklear fascination or Sarah Douglas fascination, mm-hmm. or, yeah. No, it's not a good movie. They're Jim was, Wynorski fans, yeah. apparently. But I mean, it's it's some bit has some kind of weird entertainment value to it. It's shittiness. I think your friend Eric said uh, very well. It's like it's shittiness as part of its appeal. It makes it kind of watch. There's a watchable right. shittiness to it that makes it actually kind of interesting. Yeah, it's harmless shittiness. Yeah, I, I would it's, rather watch this DC movie than Suicide Squad. Oh, God, yes. Because it's over oh, in God. 90 minutes. I mean, it's not good, but it's, yeah. it's quick and painless and... What's well, taking it's, it's like upping the camp value of the of Craven's right. movie to just a you know like hey we're just having a goof now right mm. exactly yeah yeah so Joe anyway. Bob Briggs must be a huge fan of this director <laughs> Jim Wynorski yeah. yeah oh he was Jim Wynorski is a huge like he did like all, if if he did a, if there was a Cinemax movie you watched Jim there's a two out of three chance Jim I'm Wynorski seeing it I'm seeing it. these titles I'm like oh not of the earth yeah. not of this earth the Tracy Lawrence mm-hmm. remake he did that yeah. one. Uh, he did yeah. a lot of horror sequels too. He yeah. did all of them. <laughs> he did them all. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting uh, movie that I mean I haven't seen it since it came out, but I just want to mention it because somebody might want to ask us. It's a it's a weird cult film with Richard E. Grant called How to Get Ahead in Advertising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying um, to look for that one. I was it? trying to find it too. I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, yeah it's not so, easy. Yeah. So, but I just want to mention it. We didn't forget about it. It's I I really want to see it again. A lot of people love it. Um, and it seems like a movie Criterion would pick up eventually someday. Sure. But I think Warner Archive might have it right now. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but it seems like that's a movie that should be uh, discovered and made available somewhere, please. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yeah. This, this- Patrick Swayze is dumb. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't! Don't be rude! Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, dog? Don't you like women? The worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. (laughs) But there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. You guys tired? I'll go get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. I mean, this, remember when this movie came out? It was a joke. I mean, this this was movie was an absolute joke. Like, what the hell is this? This is stupid. This is goofy. And I don't think people 
it sounds like this weird, like I'm defending some great classic here. I'm not. I'm, but I'm defending it as an absolute cult camp classic mm-hmm. that it has become. Yeah, uh, Because sure. I think there for actually sure. is some odd merit to what this movie was trying to be, as goofy as it is. Mm-hmm. Because this movie is a Western. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie is okay. absolute yeah. Western. No, it's, no it's totally. The, I can see The that. gunfighter who comes from out of town is hired yeah. by the, you know, a guy... Uh, to clean up the town. Yeah, clean up the town. And bar. there is a bad guy, a robber baron, if you will, yeah. who has taken over the entire town, owns everything, has everything under his, his foot, and he's got to come in and sweep the town clean. And great, he just happens to be Gizarra. a bouncer or a cooler. So yeah. he's, I am the cooler. You are the bouncers. I am the cooler. Okay, <laughs> I know this movie. Front to back. A, a philosophically alert bouncer, as they say on Mystery Science Theater. Yes, I, oh, I, I, I always, it's always fascinates me. Like, the scene where you like you see him like reading the book, and it's always like some weird Nietzsche book of philosophy or something, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, pain don't hurt. You know, that's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of stuff you have in the movie. Yep. Sam Elliott as the oh, sidekick, so the mm-hmm. sidekick who gets brought in late in the movie. <laughs> um, ben Gazar, who has apparently shot every single animal on the face of the earth <laughs> in, his, in his in his in his his house. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, again, misogyny all over. the <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> plays oh, this yeah. movie. I personally love the one bouncer in the movie who is having sex with someone on the job, and he does it in, in like the oh, broom right. closet. But he takes <laughs> off all of his clothes. <laughs> Isn't this? Is, oh, yeah, baby, you'll be my regular midnight night special. <laughs> so, you know. But uh, Swayze walks in. And he's completely nude. Yeah. Like he's he's got less clothes on than she does. And I'm yeah. on my break. Yeah. <laughs> Stay on it. There. See, yeah. Colin knows this movie front to back too. Yeah. We it love my Roadhouse. <laughs> I didn't see it in theater because I, I thought it was a stupid movie. I, you know what? I I didn't either. Actually, even though we played it, we didn't play. Mm-hmm. For very long, it wasn't yeah. out for very long, and it, it, those theaters were pretty easy to clean. Yeah, um, but uh, but no, yeah, you're right. It's it it earns its cult status. I think um, it's a weird movie where it's an action movie, but everybody in it has a knife until like the last mm-hmm. ten minutes. Then all the guns yeah. come right. Out. It's right. Like what? Yeah. Okay, and just blatantly murder. Yeah, blatantly murder this guy. Yeah, it gets it gets it gets, it's extremely violent at times. Uh, it clearly inspires the MacGruber throat rip oh, joke yeah. that we see throughout the movie. Uh, also I used has to one fuck of guys like you in prison. There it is. I was just yeah. you beat me to it. Uh, one of the all time what the f lines I know. ever. Right in the, in the middle of a, a, a like, fight. Weird, like that's like, <laughs> that, like like you think about all like the you know, the real macho guys who like watch this movie and then they hear that the chief henchman says that line yeah <laughs> like what do they think about that guy <laughs> at that point uh but no i i well, if this movie's on it stays on yeah it's, it's one that's, of those that's movies. that's the remote dropper for sure yes and some big beautiful explosions in this movie man when they blow something up they really blow, blow it up, up good mm-hmm. they blow yeah. the car like don't they like the car blows up like as it takes flight at the end of the movie <laughs> so, yeah. it just blow like they shoot at it and it just blows up <laughs> yeah it, it just it and yeah i yeah it's great <laughs> this is all there is to I like which you would I, not I have it. heard much in 1989 30 yeah. years later we're now saying that roadhouse is like a legitimate <laughs> Camp classic, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and you know, Swayze's the kind of the epitome of cool too mm-hmm. at that time. You know, it's like I really want to know why Jeff Healy, the, the blind guitarist in the movie, I want to know what their backstory is because like he comes into town yeah. and like he shows up and just like uh, like they got this. Whole, there's a whole backstory between him and the guitarist that we never really find out mm-hmm. uh, throughout the movie. What did this director go on to do? Anything exciting? Yeah, not great. Oh, around right. striking, striking distance. distance. Uh, that's too bad. He's yeah. did some other things that are not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Rowdy oh, wow. Har- Rowdy Har- Rowdy Harrington. Rowdy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because like I see a thirty six meta score. Like, did mm-hmm. people trash this at the time? Oh yeah, oh god, oh, god yes. Huh. No, this was this movie was an absolute joke <laughs> when when it opened. It was, it eh, was not kind of liked it. That's nice. Yeah, people people did not. Uh, people weren't really like I had no real irony awareness like they do today. Okay, yeah, you know, okay. It was still, everything was very sincere at this time. And it's a very so. serious movie. There's yeah. not a lot of winking going no. on this movie. No, this movie takes yeah, it itself pretty, absolutely serious. Yeah, it gets pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how I got into college. Never saw it. You know, really? Am I, I not cool for not yeah. really liking Savage Steve Holland movies? I just, I don't know why. I watched them. I'm kind of like, I know they have a cult, cult following. Better off dead. One crazy summer. You were never nah, a fan of. Always like two and a half. Me, you know. I like. I like fine. One crazy summer a little less than Better Off Dead, but there's some really there's funny some stuff good in that stuff movie. in both of those movies, but not like consistently great comedies. Well, how I got into college is definitely the weakest. Okay. Of of the bunch, uh, with the exception of the running joke in the movie where the main character, oh, what's his what's his name, it was the guy that was in Biloxi Blues, I think he played. Yeah. The, the I know who you're talking about. But yeah, I can't the guy that name. was always causing problems. You know, whatever. Um, he's the lead in the movie, and he, there's a running joke throughout the movie where it's one of those, like, if, you know, A does this, then B equals this, and that kind of stuff. And in the, he always imagines two guys in an A and a B shirt that are always <laughs> right, right, sinking. Yeah. They're always on a train track, or they're, or they're, they're sinking. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> man, what's the answer? Yeah. And the boat sinks, and they always die. So the, yeah. that running joke was always funny. Mm-hmm. The rest of it. Not at all. Yeah. He just wants to go to college. It's him to and meet, Lara, to meet, Lara yeah, Flynn Boyle. Meet Lara the, Flynn Boyle. The love interest in the movie. Yeah. A scene where she actually gets so nervous at a college interview that she takes her top off. Right. You don't see oh, anything, but right. she screams yeah, and yeah. she takes her top off. and Yeah. No. I can't believe I did that. Yeah, that's movie. It's not, it's not a good movie. Yeah. I think I saw bits and pieces of it, but never yeah. really. Also I'm, not a good movie, Fright Night 2. Never saw that either. Really? No. It's not good. I, that's what I heard. It's hard to find now, isn't it? It's not, it's, is it yeah, a, it's, not, it's not particularly easy to find yeah. for, for, for good reason. I mean, it's just, I mean, Jerry Dandridge's sister is oh, the right, villain right. in the movie, and you got Roddy McDowell back. Played by back. Uh, Styles from In the Mouth of Madness, I think. That's, you know, the, the, the woman from In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, Julie Carmen. Yes. Julie Carmen, yes. Yeah. Um, Roddy McDowell's back, William Ragsdale's back, who he basically does, you know, he becomes a vampire, or he gets bitten by her. Amanda Bierce is not in the movie. Um, he's got a new girlfriend. He's in college. It's it's not good. Right. Yeah, I just that's another one. I think I just saw bits and pieces yeah. of it and don't really remember much. Uh, outside of, like, a stomach getting cut open and maggots falling out. I don't even remember that. That's all. I remember John Jonathan Grease uh, in the movie Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite and Real Genius uh, Hollyfeld. He's one of the vampires in the movie, and he's he's kind of funny because he's always like the vampire is getting like bad things happen to him throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he's comic relief. It's it's not good though. You know what's really really good? Hmm. Miracle Mile. Love can sure spin your head around. God, where do you begin? Well, hello. We must have been meant to be together. It's too bad you have to work tonight. Only till midnight. Fate is a funny thing. Take a nap, because you're going to need all your energy tonight. 
It was one of those strange nights. <gasps> Finally meet the right girl and you blow it. That could ruin your whole day. In a big way. Dad, it's happening. This is it. This is really it. This is the big one. This is a joke, right? It's really happening. Happening, happening. This can't be true. We'll all be dead if we don't get out of here. Nobody believes this, do they? Not me, not Spongy. Make a list for me. People who we want to bring along. We gotta get Julie. Who's Julie? Harry Belafonte. Who are you? Who are you? Stop and let me off. I don't stop for nothing. Jump! Don't hurt me, man. I got Nakamichi Pioneer. I got everything. If it doesn't happen, I'll tell you. If what doesn't happen, man? I'm dreaming. That's, that's it, I'm dreaming. Y'all ready to go? You the pilot? Hey! Hey, do you know anybody can fly a helicopter? Helicopter pilots. All the helicopter pilot bars are closed. What's the problem? It's true. Love can be exciting. Trust me with this. Even terrifying. Julie! Baby, help! I love you! But nothing could prepare you for an experience like this. Miracle Mile is a movie that... I have a sore spot with. I, I think it's a terrific film. It's, but I mentioned earlier uh, that <laughs> my friend and I went to the theater one night. We, I, we didn't know what we were going to see. And it came down to two movies, Miss Firecracker and Miracle Mile. Mm. And we, I think I, we went with Miss Firecracker because I recognized Holly Hunter and was a fan. Tim Hunt, uh, Tim Robbins, I was a fan. I was like, yeah. let's go see the and and Beth Henley wrote it. She co-wrote sure. two stories. So I'm like, I'm leaning towards this. I don't know what Miracle Mile is. I don't know what. I didn't see any ads for it. I didn't. I don't. I don't know what that is. Let's go see this instead. And I kind of regretted it because I really when I saw <laughs> Miracle Mile on video, I was like, I made the wrong choice that night. Even though I like Miss Firecracker, mm-hmm. this movie was fantastic. I mean, I watched this in my living room. I was blown away by it. Um, and we're both huge fans of After Hours, and it kind of has that it same has an After Hours you vibe, know, but like episodic the, running into strange characters. The intensity of but it, it's, though, yeah. is unbelievable, uh, especially at that time. I mean, you know, the nuclear threat was uh, was mm-hmm. still a thing in the eighties, and I think this movie might be the last of the nuclear threat movies to come out in this era I think so one of the last one of them it should be the last yeah. <laughs> that's the way it ends uh, yeah the way it ends yeah sure um, and I just was riveted the whole time and I was just like I should have saw this in the theater damn it why didn't I go see this it's, it's amazing this movie was a nightmare brought to life for me because if there was one recurring nightmare I had in the 1980s it was this yeah, uh, yeah. I had that, not the way had that same dream. entirely plays out, but that dream was was big, and it, to this day, it's a hard movie for me to watch because I know where it's going, mm-hmm. and when those doors open on the roof at the end of the movie, it freaks me out every single time. Yeah. and yeah. it's a movie you, you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Oh yeah, give it, give it <laughs> not oh, yeah. not so much that. Yeah. He gets the, the phone call, but that the, there also happens to be someone who has a suitcase in the right. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean that's like whoa, <laughs> that's plot convenience theater, right that, there, yes. big mm-hmm. big time. Yeah. But you know, again, you you succumb to that, and mm-hmm. you just, then it's just you Full know throttle. what his mission is, yeah. and his mission is believable, and you believe enough in like, well, what if it is? You mm-hmm. gotta well, let's mm-hmm. let's get do get out of dodge and do what we gotta do, 
uh, and it's 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 unflinching, and it's it's tight, it's fast paced. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's still it's a, it's a remarkably tough movie for me for me to watch. Uh, and I remember I did know about it when it came out because it wasn't just Siskel and Ebert, but I think it was like movie time or something like that would play the the clip where he comes into the diner and you yeah. know like uh, the, the, here's what he said on the phone and you mm-hmm. know that kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, that's an intriguing premise Mm -hmm. and then it came out on video i'm like oh my god yeah yeah it's i like that it starts off as this like almost cute or meet cute kind of oh it starts off as a rom-com yeah Yeah. essentially yeah yeah. between uh, mary mary winningham Mm -hmm. and anthony edwards Mm -hmm. and uh i I think i think they have good chemistry just pretty much right off the bat and then you have to believe that yeah exactly (laughs) like like for him to not go like no i'm getting out of town no i'm gonna try to find this woman i just met that i was gonna Mm -hmm. have this date with um, yeah, it, it's it's a remarkable. Movie. I remember just, just recently so I turned tense. this on to someone who I was shocked had never seen it before, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Thank you." Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's a special film. It really is, and one of those I remember like, yeah, my dad and I rented, and at the end we went, "Is that really is is that really how it ends?" It's almost like the ending of um, what's that Jeff Bridges terrorism movie? Arlington Road. Arlington Road. Like I couldn't yeah. believe that's that's how you're going to end this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, now I got to go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> sweet dreams. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now the summer kicks off. Yeah, it's still in May with a bang. But uh, we got two. <laughs> we got two oh. movies to talk about oh, uh, yeah. that start <laughs> that kick the summer off. Both, um, both involve Nazis. <laughs> that's true. I can almost reach it, Dad. Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, right. go for it. Go That's for it. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, I gotta say, the last few times I've seen this film, I I watched it with the other t- the first two, and like for throughout like I think the whole two thousands or maybe the mid nineties through the two thousands. That's how I watched the Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. I watched all three of them at once, like when I got them on Laserdisc, then when I got them on DVD, and I often found that. About 30, 45 minutes into Last Crusade, I start to feel a little fatigued just because it just starts to feel like too much of a good thing or just like... You can see that. I'm kind of just like, ugh, you know, this we're going into our fifth hour of Indiana Jones stuff, which is sounds <laughs> cool, but at the time, I'm just kind of like, ugh, this really doesn't... This wasn't as good as I remember it in the theater. Now, But the last time I watched it was uh, at the music box when they had the 70 millimeter festival yep, same here. and I watched it on its own without the other two. It's great. I mean, it's that's so the way fun. to watch it. Like it is like, what am I thinking? This movie is fantastic, <laughs> but I just, I shouldn't watch all three of them in a row. There's again. a reason there are big gaps between all the yes. Indiana Jones yes. movies. Yeah. I, and I that's ad- the way it should be. I think I will yeah. admit that I missed some of the darker elements of the first two a little bit, but oh, it's definitely more lighthearted. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. but it, it's so much fun. Oh my god! Consistently, oh, blast with this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And talk about great father-son chemistry. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Sean Connery, the, who should have been nominated. I'm yes, so, he yeah. should have been nominated. Yes. Oh yeah, for this movie. yeah, yeah. He's great. Should have been it to the Marx Brothers. Unlike, unlike anything, can you think of a Sean Connery movie where he's that he's having that much fun? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's much. It's, so, it's a complete one eighty yeah. from the Untouchables. He's never been so lighthearted and mm-hmm, funny mm-hmm. in a movie. And and 
you know, meek. I mean, yeah. there's a meekness about the character. I mean, he's smart, but he's a meekness compared to his son, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is also a fun little role reversal thing, obviously, given who he's played in the past. And you got James Bond as Indiana Jones's father. I mean, yeah, come, right. oh, come on. <laughs> Spielberg finally got to work with Sean Connery. He'd mm-hmm. wanted to do a James Bond movie all this time, and he finally got to do, uh, you know, to work with Sean Connery, and he's so good. But... You know the, the the everything at the end. You know the the build up to finding the, you know the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. The again in the script. I mean the the cleverness of the script to have that sort of that historical context to it. That you know a, a, like a stupid movie, like a King Solomon's Mines type movie, yeah. would have had the chalice be the golden chalice. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that movie where he said that's the cup of a carpenter. Yeah. Which is also yep. funny, given that Harrison Ford was a carpenter. Yeah. Uh, uh, very good. Which is also mm. really, really, really great. You um, wise. And then you know you get to bring back Sala, you get to bring mm-hmm. back Brody. Uh, it, yeah. It's just it, it's a wonderful family reunion, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And again, the father son stuff that Spielberg can t- constantly trying to work out himself uh, is so evident in the movie. So many memorable lines the tank scene is so good yeah that's a really great so beautiful the the boat chase is great uh you know the 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 opening of river phoenix that that wonderful you know little Mm -hmm. prequel that we get uh young indiana jones uh is is wonderful it's great Mm -hmm. it's just great yeah no complaints here no no and then you got pink cadillac yep (laughs) you know i still haven't seen that I, you don't need to. I, I, Bad guys so, are white supremacists. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, Again. if you want to see Clint Eastwood pretending to be a wacky DJ at the very <laughs> beginning of the film, it's like, ooh, we are in for a long Oh, no. Here. A morning uh, And also the, like, the DJ? Vegas guy. Like, right. The, like the, like the, He's in Lounge Lizard getup. Lounge Lizard, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a weird sight. Uh, and him trying to, to be it. And then there's another part where he's trying to act like a brainless hick. And that's what I was like. Is this Fletch? Is he trying to do Fletch? Is Clint Eastwood, tra- Clint Eastwood is trying bit. to do Fletch? Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're dead on with yeah. that, man. Except that Fletch was fighting white supremacists. Right. Uh, no, Michael thanks. DeBar, I think, is the main villain maybe, in that. Yeah, I th- maybe. I don't yeah, remember. But, but... Oh, but, it's, but that's, that stuff's so ugly. And Bernadette Peters, who, I mean... At least she's adorable. She is adorable. Way adorable in this film. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but is a love interest to Clint Eastwood? Uh, that's a, no. Doesn't really work. I don't see that no. working at all? No, because no. he's because this. Well, it's Fletch meets Midnight Run is what this movie right. is yeah. because yeah. he's a he's a skip tracer oh, okay. in the movie. So he's hunting down Bernadette Peters has to bring her back. Uh, oh wow! And yeah. Meanwhile, the, the white supremacists are chasing her. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. We'll skip it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, they have they drive a pink Cadillac, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Do they have the yes, uh, exactly. Bruce Springsteen song was... plays in it at any point? No, no. no. Okay. Oddly enough, I'm surprised. No. No. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. Move on to June. Summertime, folks. Yeah. Nothing says uh, summer blockbuster like Dead Poet Society. <laughs> um, yeah. You can also imagine maybe John Wayne is Macbeth going, well, is this a dagger I see before me? Peter Weir's uh, second weakest film. In my opinion, mm. it um, is. It is. Robin indeed. Williams was nominated for it. It's been parodied quite a bit. Most recently on SNL, what a couple of years ago, did a great parody of it. <laughs> what was it? I, I forget. I what think that I was. the ceiling fan. 
they all stand on the tables and one kid stands up and there's a ceiling oh, fan above him no. and his head and it like cuts off his head and I, it turns into a big bloodbath. Yes, I, I have a vague remembrance <laughs> of that what, What's great about that parody is like it is shot for shot perfect of that scene. Like every mm. single, like it's such a slow It was one of the up. short films, right? Yeah. That was the, that, yeah. But it's like, it was such a, like they do the entire scene, not just the last yes. moment. Um, but anyway. It, and it's speaking of maudlin and sappy and sentimental and like yeah. it, it, you know even the suicide oh the suicide the is not i'd never buy it yeah i never, I never did it. even when i, I first saw the movie i was like no nope, not buying it not mm -hmm. buying it like, no. why <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, that's like, what i thought what was the leap i mean i know it, it's again a cliche the why the, don't the, i buy it or no 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 no, oh. no no why in the movie like why does oh. he make that leap to suicide yeah. right I it doesn't never it understood makes it. no sense like, at all like, like, Dad, I just want to do plays. Yeah. And like, you're going to be a doctor or whatever, lawyer right. or whatever. And, you know, and it's like, really? Yeah. So you just, your first instinct after all of the inspiration you have just received in this classroom, that your first instinct is to kill yourself. Yeah, and I'm mm -hmm. a guy, I mean, like, I defend a lot of teen movies that have behavior where teens are acting on emotional impulse and everything like that because that's what you are when you're a teenager you, you everything is yeah. big every emotion you have is big mm -hmm. but i still don't buy i still do not buy this movie um i like robin williams in it i like a lot of the classroom scenes in it they're corny they're cheesy but i still like them yeah, peter there's... weir is a great craftsman great visual director is a beautiful looking movie um but uh, by far the weakest of the five nominees for original screenplay, and it won. Oh wow! It did win. Yeah, yeah. And it made a lot of money. Is this is a, oh this yeah, this is a, this is a huge hit. hit. This is a hit yeah. that summer. Um, I but, will cop. I like the ending. I will. I will cop. Oh, no, the, the ending's you know, fine. I, I like yeah. it too. I you do, know, yeah. I do. I I, again, I like Robin Williams' delivery of yeah. the thank mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. in, in that scene. Sure. Um, no, he's, he's the best Hawk, thing. Obviously, you know. Yeah, I, I I can't I you know, I I, I can't <laughs> offer a lot to defend. As we, I, I'm a sucker yeah. for movies about discovering your history, true English, and, and stuff like yeah. that. I don't even yeah. like true passion, but I like what the, the energy that that Williams brings to those classroom scenes that you mm -hmm. mentioned. Oh um, no, yeah, he, and I like he's, those he's, those he's scenes good. are the best in the movie when it's just the kids like hey, we're gonna just, we're gonna go in the cave and read English. I'm like, mm. no. <laughs> mm -mm. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No. So Sorry. <clears throat> but yeah. uh, it was a carry. It was another, like, Field of Dreams. It was a carryover from early in the year that actually managed to get a yeah. Best Picture nomination. Mm -hmm. So, and... Yeah. Um, People liked him, I guess. Yeah. It, oh, it was a big crowd pleaser. We had it in my theater forever. Oh, yeah. It, hmm. played, it was there forever. So I saw that last scene a lot. Yeah. Huh. Uh, <laughs> Is there anything before we get to Vampire's Kiss? Um, I wanted to watch that, and I couldn't find it. Oh, you should ask me. I have a Blu-ray oh, of it. Damn it. Am I getting through to you ever? So let's get to One Vampire's of my favorite, Kiss. if not my favorite, Nicolas Cage performance, and it's also kind of a precursor to the American Psycho. Yes. That's, you know? That, and it's just incredibly entertaining from beginning to end because of Cage. It is the cagiest cage of all mm -hmm. cages i mean th this is when people point to what the appeal of nicholas cage or why do you think nicholas cage is crazy you just point to this movie yeah throughout i mean he makes choices in this film that i'm shocked they that are actually there you know and i could this this whole podcast could just be me playing clips from vampire's kiss yeah and <laughs> i think again this is one of these movies that probably plays a lot more interesting today than it did yeah. then it was an oddity 
then. I mean, it was Cage doing some weird, over-the-top vampire performance that's not really a vampire movie. Not really. No. no. And it, it's, ultimately, it's ultimately not. Ultimately, well, certainly not. Yeah. And it, But it's, again, a movie about mental illness. It's a man. It's a movie toxic about masculinity. Toxic masculinity. <laughs> I mean, to the nth degree. I mean, when yeah. the American Psycho comparison is absolutely apt. Uh, I mean, he, he full on rapes Maria Cucino Alonso in this movie. Yep. And it's it's a difficult movie to watch in, at times because it is played a lot for comedy. I mean, he casually throws out the word cunt many times in this movie, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's for laughs. And. Uh, it, it's it, it's it's a rough move. It's it's a rougher movie. It's still funny. Yeah, no, but it's it's. I mean, any funny and sad. Ultimately, it's sad. Know. I don't know about sad. I think at the end, just what happens to this poor guy? Never, I mean, he essentially got horrible mental illness. You know, and uh, he just yeah, never gets but sometimes treatment. crazy is crazy. Yeah, and that's what I mean because he's not. It's not. I know like, he's you crazy. Don't, he's not a good guy to start the movie, mm-hmm. and. I, I don't care how crazy you are. The things he does in the movie are yeah, indefensible. No, he, I mean, I guess he deserves what's coming. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, but, but any yeah. shot of him with the fake vampire teeth, you cannot <laughs> hear the dialogue. It is so funny. Yeah. I mean, it's just every talking shot on of the him. Phone? Talking on the uh, phone in the phone booth and uh, the close-up on the teeth are right there. Yeah. It is the funniest stuff in the it's world. It's so good. Yeah. It's a great movie. Love it. What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You just put it in. The right file, according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. Uh, now we got some a couple of stinkers. No, what, what is far? No, never mind. Let's not talk about that. Okay, I don't know what it is. You can tell that's, me. That you the, can tell me when we're not. Drew Barrymore. Oh, that's thing. one of the first movies I watched. Oh, that. And I was okay. like, no, you're the, okay. Is, so you're the one that watched it. Yeah, I was like, this is. Kind of interesting. Is it? <laughs> um, interesting for the well, age we were at the time, or interesting? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Just, talk to me. I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of watched it and went. It be it would be a script, almost like the movie Lisa, which we're going to talk about next year, mm. that I wouldn't mind redoing because I think, I like movies where it takes place in one contained, confined, uh, area, and this is like all in a trailer park. I no. think Matt Frewer plays her dad, yeah. and they break down, um, and sort of just have to stay there while her car, while his, you know his car is getting fixed or something. And uh, you know the, I think they're both writers, but it's just like again, kind of like with After Hours, but you know over a stretch of time, just coming across these weird people throughout the entire movie in this trailer park, and their interactions are just really strange. Um, but again, kind of leering. At Drew Barrymore at a young age in her swimsuit is creepy. Um, not good choices made by the director in that regard. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just, as I'm watching it, I'm like, I, I kind of like the idea more than the execution overall. I don't think it's a great movie. It's not one I'm actively defending. But No. Um, I thought it was interesting, but not great. As someone who is the same age as Drew Barrymore as I am, Little crush, growing up. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's understandable. Um, so those scenes when I was that age were not that creepy, right? They are now. <laughs> They're very. Creepy <laughs> They're very now. creepy now because mm-hmm. there's. I mean, there's an extended sequence where she's walking around in 
the bathing suit, and a very skimpy very. bathing suit. I can't remember yeah. if this was after her problems or it was, I think so. Or, I mean, I I want to say that. I think it was during, because I remember those People Magazine issues started coming out while I was in high school. So okay. this would be probably, so this would be post her problems. Poster. So this is yeah, sort of like I the think beginning so. of a possible Re- come revisiting of Drew come Barrymore. Back, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's uh, what I remember most about the movie was that yeah. aspect mm-hmm. of Late it. Late great Dick Miller shows up. Richard Mazur. Oh, I don't remember that. Jennifer Tilly. I remember the cast was big. Yeah. Uh, Which is another thing that led me to the movie. I'm just like I think, um, I think Tommy Lee Wallace wrote the script, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Halloween Three's Tommy Lee Wallace. Yeah. I don't know. I thought again. I'm not going to go out and okay. say no. it's like you absolutely. It's not like uh, the other two movies you guys were talking about. Okay. But I thought it was more of a creep factor. It's a little creepy. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> it's made, interesting. Okay. Well, it made twelve thousand dollars. So yeah. We don't um, more anyway. than I, got. I don't <laughs> want to talk about the next one on the list. Star Trek Five. God I can't damn stand it. it. We made that we we get at our theater we got a lot of Disney movies and a lot of Paramount movies. We <laughs> couldn't get Last Crusade, but we got Star Trek Five. How is that possible? I don't know. I don't know. This, Was there a competing like theater, that like the, one of those situations yeah, where maybe, the other theater got it? Maybe, I don't know. But it was just like ugh. It's like Shatner directed this one, yeah. and it was like he filmed. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was like he filmed the script reading, the search like, for a, the search so for God. Right. Yes. Well. Yeah. Great yeah. premise. Right. Interesting. The, literally the <laughs> final frontier. A very interesting mm-hmm. premise. Yeah. yeah. But what well, man? But that's not the only uh, bad sequel it's to boring, come out. Boring. 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 Uh, yeah. So Ghostbusters 2 uh, looks like not it came funny, out a week not later. Funny, not funny. Uh, just a dead on arrival mm-hmm. sequel that mm-hmm. everybody was looking forward to. Everybody, not screened for critics. Not screened for critics. I remember really? that. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah. And then uh, I went opening day and I could see why. Uh, it's not very good. I will no. say, I mean, it's. I, I, I will say I think Harold Ramis has a lot of funny moments in it. Like if, if there are laughs in the movie, the most of them are coming from him. And Rick Moranis has a couple of moments I like. Where yeah, the lawyer in the courtroom is kind of when he's playing the lawyer. I think okay. I didn't. Well, I didn't like that stuff because it's just like it was like you know like trying to force the characters from the first movie. Like we we got to get this character in, but we don't know how <laughs> yeah, to get him in right. the movie. So now it, he's they're a lawyer. shoehorning him in. I know. You yeah, know? yeah. But. So I thought that that was. I mean, the, the, I I have a slight more fondness for it than than you do. I just I think there's mm. some funny stuff. Bill Murray's there's some funny. I mean, Hairless Pets, weird. <laughs> Yeah. Always makes me laugh. Um, I think Peter McNichol has a couple yes, funny line readings. Okay. Everything you're yeah. doing is bad. Yeah, um, everything you're doing is bad. And yes, I know this. I've heard this already. Yeah. <laughs> Vigo keeps giving the same speech over and over again. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it seems like, I mean, Murray doesn't look involved in this movie at all. Like, he wants to be in a, his own rom com mm-hmm. uh, while the other three want to do a Ghostbusters movie. I yeah. just never understood why right. why right. everybody d- doesn't like the Ghostbusters at the beginning of this movie. All of a sudden, like the kids hate the Ghostbusters, even though they save the city. Oh, right, they go to a they go to a birthday party, yeah, and yeah. playing their own theme song, right? Mm-hmm. Which is weird. It is weird. Uh, the Ghostbusters, weird 2, Ghostbusters two to me was like they filmed the cartoon that developed out of the Gar- Ghostbusters movie. Mm. Like it had no edge. Yeah. It was completely. Yeah. It was very kid friendly and stuff. Uh, and I uh, and we'll gotta say this this might be controversial. Arguably the ugliest baby that's ever been in a film before. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's baby in the movie might be, and it's two hmm. babies, mm-hmm. so but might be the ugliest baby. And, and and Bill Murray says it in the movie. He's just like, oh, he's he's ugly. 
Okay. No, he's not Elephant Man ugly, but he's not attractive. Wow, that I, was I, his father I don't have ugly. No memory of it being ugly. It's, it's a not a good looking kid. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We should see uh, if he, how he grew up, or she, he. Yeah. She? Mm. Oh. Anyway, um, and then there's a <laughs> little movie um, that came out <laughs> the same weekend. Wow, these were the same weekend. This is an interesting no week month. apart. Ghostbusters two came out. Oh, you're first, right. And then yep. this came out the 23rd Well, the whole stretch June. here, I think, is yeah. really interesting. June was a huge month. It is big ridiculous. Month. Um, and the biggest movie of the year came out uh, this month, and that's Tim Burton's Batman. Vicki Vale. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? <laughs> Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. I didn't ask. I have given a name to my pain. What are you? I'm Batman. that I think, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of it, but... Oh, I, really? I'm no, I'm not. Hmm. Uh, never have been. Hmm. But it was the, probably the most hyped movie I've ever oh, seen. Oh, for sure. Ever. I mean... At the, and, for, for us, yeah. For us, yeah. I mean, Everybody was like, wearing the t-shirt. Everybody. I mean, when there was a new Star Wars movie, it didn't need hype. It hyped itself. Or a new Indiana Jones movie hyped itself. But this was the first time when the merchandise went yeah. bl- like crazy before the movie came exactly. out. Exactly, yeah. Um, I had never seen a level of hype like this before for any movie. People, um, people, sorry, no, I was just going to say, people really who are listening to this now really need to understand this moment in time and why this movie of every above everything else was such a thing. Mm-hmm. Now we're sort of Batmaned out. Yeah. Like, you know, we, yeah, we've got I'm, five I've seasons of Gotham. Out. We got, you know, six different Batmans, whatnot. Yeah. You know, as much as people love the Christopher Nolan movies, we got more Batmans after that. And then we got four Batman movies before that. Okay. Before this movie came out, all most of us had, with the exception of the comic readers, was Adam West. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. And here we were now. People of our age had grown up in some. Did you watch? Used to watch the Adam West. Yeah, show? once in a while. Well, I, I watched yeah. it pretty regularly in the reruns <laughs> on weekday mornings. Okay, at my grandma's sure. house, pretty religiously actually. Uh, so all of us growing up in that time, that was our version of Batman. And now some of us, all of us in a certain wheelhouse, were getting a little older. Okay, we were starting to get a little taste of adulthood. We were getting into our teenage years, some of us a little more than others, and now we were going to get a PG-13 Batman movie that we we heard maybe heard some things about the comics and it was going to be dark and Blade Runner-esque in, <laughs> in, in terms of its production design and stuff, and it was going to be violent. I mean, I'm on the table here I have this novelization of the Batman movie and I remember reading it and the description of the opening where 
Batman gets the guy in, on the roof after they've robbed the, the people, and he's dragging his hands across the cement. And the book is like, and his hands are all bloodied from dragging his hands across the, the, the cement rocks mm. and stuff. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. this is not wow and pam and, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's not campy. And no, and yeah. so when this came out, this was a gigantic deal for a lot of people. And it was. we showed up. And J- Jack Nicholson's going to be the Joker? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. And he's going to get casting. he's going to get top billing over Michael Keaton who's and and you know people who all you know everyone you know Twitter and everything every casting decision is a big deal nowadays. Yeah. There was no Twitter, there was no internet in 1989 when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman, the world almost blew up. <laughs> there were articles written about people were not happy. They hated the fact that Michael Keaton was going to be Batman. And whatever you say about it, Michael Keaton is a perfect Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I think so. You know, he might you might not think of him as an ass-kicking Batman, but he's a perfect Bruce Wayne. Uh, and the yeah. people were up in arms over this when it when it came out. And hmm. yet it still made 250 some million dollars. Because so it's, they got over it pretty because quickly. Because it's yeah. pretty good. I I still like it. I don't I'm not I don't love it. I think I li- there's definitely Batman movies later on uh, that I love more. But I I find it entertaining. I like Tim Burton's style in this. I think it's a nice marriage between, you know, a comic book sensibility and Tim Burton. Um, I like there's there's just some weird, you know, things that Nicholson does in this with the commercials that he does uh, that I think are weird and very Burton-esque. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I think the, the, the Prince music doesn't quite hold up nope. <laughs> nope. the way I thought it hopefully would, but it doesn't. One of the... One of the- greatest tragedies of my life is when I wanted the Denny Elfman score for my birthday and I got the Prince soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because that was the only thing. I, it wasn't anyone's fault. It was the yeah. only thing that had been released at that point. Mm-hmm. And I got it and I'm like, where is this awesome Danny Elfman score that I love yep. so much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I still think it's good. I do too. Yeah. I, you know, I do, it's not the Nolan Batmans. Uh, and people were just like, well, Batman Returns is the best of... Here's here's my argument: Batman versus Batman Returns. Batman Returns feels like it's, it was filmed on a set. That entire like Gotham in that movie feels like Warner Brothers backlot. The entire movie, everything seems mm-hmm. fake. The screenplay and the performances are really good. Oh yeah, and elevate it. But this one feels like a movie. It feels mm-hmm. the, the the art direction, the production design of it. It feels something that's been lived in. Batman Returns has a slickness, a backslot slickness to it that feels phony. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure I agree with that, but I, because I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of of this Batman, um, mainly because I, the script, I don't really connect with any of the characters, don't care about them. Nicholson is fine, but he can do this in his sleep. Um, Keaton is 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 a good Batman. You're right. But I just wish the script served him better. I wish it gave him more to do. Um, and I just, I think it's too dark, like visually too dark. Mm. Uh, there's there's things that I just like, I don't know, it's like the lighting or something is off where it's just like, I and the editing is choppy. So I like the action scenes I don't think are particularly well executed. Um, so I just don't. I, I just never liked this movie. It just never. Really even when did you first saw it, for me. yeah. Even when I first saw it, hmm. I was like, hmm. I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm, he was I'm, that guy, Jim. He was <laughs> oh, that yeah. guy in the oh, corner. No, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go. Oh, I'd rather go see Last Crusade again. 
Um, well, I was the weirdo. Movie. I was the yeah. weirdo that didn't like ET. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I like the score. <laughs> I like some of the art direction. I think is really good. I mean, there there are moments that I do like, but I actually like I like Batman Returns more because I think it is more cinematic. I think because there's, um, I mean, we'll talk about this in a few years coming up, <laughs> but somebody did, somebody did a cool thing where they re-edited Batman Returns and uh, as a uh, German expressionistic silent film. I've seen that. Oh, that's and cool. And it's great. And it's like, oh, that's yeah, the, that's how this movie really does look. Like, there are definitely, there's definitely an influence here. And that's what I, that's one of the things uh, I like. Plus, it's more twisted. Um, yeah, it's well, that dark, darker, Daniel more Waters twisted. Wrote it and, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, this one just never holds up for me. Of the first four Batman, of those four Batman movies, I like Batman Returns the most. But we'll get to that. Yeah, in a few that's years. true. Yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely true. Um, then I remember being excited about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, that was a huge hit, right? It because, was yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I liked it when it when it came out. Yeah, great effects. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably the most I can say. I mean, had a know. Roger Rabbit short attached to it. Tommy that's Trouble, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Which, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Was yeah. on the VHS, you know, yeah. when it came out. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember. You know, a few things about the scene, like the insects were pretty cool, and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's good. I don't remember anything about the sequel, but I remember just mm-hmm. finding it relatively entertaining, and certainly the crowd at what you know I saw it with was, you know, enjoying the hell out of it. So. It's, it's fine. And I just like from, a, from a business standpoint, too, it's, it's worth noting that 89 was sort of the year when the VHS market realized that people will buy VHS movies at a reasonable price. Mm. Uh, you know, 89? This that came, late? Yeah. I mean, well, even after, like, Top Gun was a big Was seller. Top Gun, did that sell? Oh, yeah. No, I remember it? when it was a controversial seller because okay. it was, it came, it like, usually the sell-through movies were coming out at, like, twenty four ninety five, and that was twenty seven ninety. Maybe I missed it was, it was, a period. It was a little cheaper, but they attached a Pepsi commercial at the beginning of the tape. Okay. And that got a lot of people <laughs> upset. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. I'm just, I'm, maybe I missed a period where okay. I didn't realize that because uh, every time I wanted to get something... I was always told it was eighty nine ninety five, right? right. Um, but this upcoming later in the year, October, when Last Crusade came out and Batman came out mm. and Honey and Shrunk the Kids, even they were all, it was a huge deal because they yeah. were so low in price yeah. that you couldn't they buy them. And I bought them all. I bought yeah. Batman. I bought Last Crusade mm-hmm. at Sears, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I bought yeah. Mine Adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it's all right. I like it. Maybe Honey Shrunk the Kids good. Yeah. Uh, but maybe a worse sequel than Ghostbusters. Well, definitely a worse sequel than Ghostbusters yes. Two. Maybe a worse sequel than Star Trek Five: The Karate Kid Part Three. Three, wor- three, three words: Thomas Ian Griffith. When I'm finished with that kid, he'll be begging me to be his teacher. And you know what he's going to learn from me? Pain in every part of his body, and fear in every part of his mind. <laughs> and here's the kicker: he's going to thank me for it. Johnny, by the time that little twerp steps into the ring to defend his title, I'm going to have him thinking he's invincible. And then he's going to find out what pain and fear really mean. Make his knuckles bleed. Hey. Hey, I like that! Oh, I like that, Johnny! I'm going to use that! (laughs) He is so funny in this movie. I know it's not meant to be funny. (laughs) I know this movie isn't meant to be funny. No, it's it's, it's, it's hilarious hilarious in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... I like that! I like that a lot! (laughs) Like, you just start screaming into the phone about, like, this plan that uh, him and... uh, What's his name? 
device. Yeah, the dojo guy. Who yeah, yeah. William Cove. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Crease. Uh, Crease. John Crease. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. He. Yeah. He's got a millionaire friend who sends him to Tahiti <laughs> so that he can, so that the millionaire can open up all these dojos and orchestrate this big revenge plot against Daniel who kicked his who kicked the dojo's ass in, in the first Karate Kid movie. It's like this is it's, ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Yeah, and it wasn't the fact that he. Uh, it in, um, increases mindset. Like there should be just a Crease spinoff movie just Oops. to understand the <laughs> origin of John Crease, right. where this guy came from. Um, but it wasn't the fact that Russo, like, was it more the fact that Russo beat the dojo, or the fact that this guy was like attacking his own students in the parking lot after the thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, nobody's like, uh, I want to make, I want to make his knuckles bleed. Yeah, a little miss, and he does. He does make his knuckles yeah. bleed. A little misplaced uh, blame there, and this is Daniel Larusso at his most dickish. In the, I mean, because yeah, he's, he's being a total dick. He's, to Mr. he's kind of a dick in the first movie too, in, in a general like New Yorkish dickish kind of way. Yeah. Uh and then Karate Kid Two, he I mean, he's he's a little more understanding in Karate Kid Two. He's not as dickish. I kinda like Karate Kid Two. I do too. Yeah. Uh but Karate Kid Three, this is like like if, if Daniel Russo like was like eight in the first movie, it'd be more understandable. And like now he's a teenager and he's <laughs> lashing out against his surrogate yeah. father and whatnot. But he's a total dick. Yes. His entire movie, he's a, like Miyagi's like almost crying in every scene because he's being such a dick. Yeah, why does Robin li- Lively like him? Because she's teen witch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> but he's he he's so he's so unlikable. Yeah. In this yeah, in this entire movie, I mean. Uh, I think it's just Ralph Macchio being pissed off because he has to do this movie. I, I'm, he's thirty something years old. Oh yeah, he, he didn't want to do really this. that. Old. Yeah, he was yeah, thirty yeah. when he Jeez. did this movie. No, nobody wanted to do this. No, but the studio wanted it. The studio so. wanted it. John G. Ellison was back to direct. Yeah. This one mm. and uh, yeah, and then they did try to make Thomas Ian Griffith a thing in later years. I don't remember him. From excessive anything force. Else. You never saw excessive force. No, maybe I should because <laughs> yeah. I, I just like him in this. It movie. was his Jeff Speakman movie, mm. um, the perfect weapon. Anyway, oh yeah, Karate Kid Three is not good. No, no. Um, before we get to the next movie, do we want to? Because we're going to take a break soon. But <laughs> we probably do should. you have anything to say about Great Balls of Fire so that we can? I end don't on want. A no, I, I just no. okay. Great music. Yeah, <laughs> sure. great music. Dennis Quaid is Jerry very Lewis. good. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Lewis, uh, who just had a stroke re- just in the last couple days. Oh, oh really? Jerry Lee Lewis. That. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, I, it's weird how we just brought down the room for a guy that right. married his fourteen-year-old cousin. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the thing. That you don't move the, like a virgin. That's, that's, that's the, yeah, line the, the, the lines yeah. in this movie at the beginning. I was like, oh my god. Winona Ryder, who you plays... look all woman to me. Like why? Like why? Like why? Yeah. And and the thing and the, fu- the funny thing <sighs> about this movie, which I. I Kind of casually watched, I'll say. Um, yeah, I watched that while Alec, I was doing other things. Like Alec Baldwin plays his brother in the Jerry Lewis's brother, and he's Evangelist the kind of villain in the movie because he's religious. Religious, yeah. And that that so it's just a weird paradox that he's the bad guy in the movie because he's against rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Not so much about the pedophile stuff, <laughs> right? But the rock and roll, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it's a weird, like, like okay, aren't you all kind of suck in this movie? You all, like, you're, you're, so mm-hmm. you're ignoring this aspect of it. Sorry. Sure. Um, but the rock and roll is your problem. And and yet and yet that's the best <laughs> thing in the movie is the yeah. rock and roll. Um, mm. it's, 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 a, it's a weird, like, that movie, 
would I'd like to see a remake of that movie today. Of that story. Yeah. And see yeah. how I mean Dennis you could... Quaid brings it. It's, oh he brings, brings it. Game. No, yeah. he, you know, Dennis Quaid brings he's it great. in the movie. Yeah, without without question. And it's one of the reasons why the movie is watchable. Ish. But yeah, yeah, but the politics and the ickiness mm-hmm. behind it is weird. Mm-hmm. It is weird. Yeah. And that that was casual in 1989. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So let's end on, <laughs> let's end this part on a positive note because we're going to take a break soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the one of the uh, just lightning rod movies. How of could this, this not have been nominated? Year. Uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Good morning, Miss Mother's sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's going to be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. The South's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with a son. I know you can't stand it. You can't stand it. Hey, Sal, I'm going to burst on a wall here. You want brothers on the wall? Love. Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. What I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about them pictures? You folks and brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom. Ah! Right here, man, in the back. Y'all take a chill. You'd like to sign a petition to boycott South's famous pizzeria? Hear me, what you ought to do is boycott that no good barber that messed up your head. And that's the double truth. Rude. the power. the power. You know, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. <laughs> Who told you to step on my sneakers? Who told you to walk on my side of the block? Who told you to be in my neighborhood? I own this brownstone. Who told you to buy a brownstone on my block in my neighborhood on my side of the street? I can't even hear myself think! From Spike Lee. Director of School Days, and she's got to have it. Good people, please! If we don't stop this, we can stop it now. Always do the right thing. Lightning Rod movies. How could this, this not have been nominated? Year. Uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Um, a divisive movie. Uh, at, at the, not so much at, I mean, kind of at the time. I mean, it was lauded by a lot like of critics. It? I mean, I think there's a lot of people who were kind of frustrated with. Okay. Like, I mean, just, you know. Probably, the ending. The ending. Sure. I think. Sure. I think that, yeah, I can see. Um, but I love the ending because it's ambiguous, because mm-hmm. it forces you to, like, really confronts the issues on your own. Yeah. Um, when Spike Lee's character, Mookie, throws that garbage can through the window, he's, you know, what do you think? Is he doing the right thing? Is he not doing the right thing? He leaves Spike Lee, like, I look at that I... that moment as kind of a metaphor for uh, just Spike Lee um, just crashing the party of Hollywood, just throwing <laughs> a garbage can through the window of Hollywood and saying, we're not going to do this, you know, you 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 know, we're uh, he, he's coming in to change, yeah, change, trying to change is everything. Um, is is an uphill battle, of course, for him. But uh, but there's just something about this movie that endures uh, even today, um, with everything it says about race and everything it doesn't say about race. That it leaves it to you to figure exactly. out exactly. And on top of that, it's so alive. So energetic. It is so, yeah, it's just so colorful, 
so vibrant. It takes place in one day, essentially. Yeah, yeah the hottest day, one of the hottest yep. days in, in, in the summer. That. Yeah, um, which is a, a beautiful way it, to do this sort of anatomy of a race riot. Mm-hmm. First, the temperature's got to be smoking hot. And, uh, you know, you just got these characters who are at odds with each other, probably even when it's not that hot out. But, um, but that's a very important part of it. And uh, I think Danny Aiello is phenomenal in this movie. Uh, John Turturro is uh, great. Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so good. Yeah. Everybody. I just. I love this movie. I adore I, this movie <laughs> to death. I, it's one of the most rewatchable. I mean, it, it causes so much emotion in me throughout. I mean, especially at the ending, obviously, for a lot of reasons. But it just. I think it was confronting something that I hadn't. Re- I mean,. Growing up in the white suburbs, I right. kind of didn't really interact as much with other, you know, cultures and and races. So to like experience this movie at a young age too was kind of a, a shock to the system, and it still is. It yeah. still is. Oh, it I still mean, really gets to me. Oh, definitely. And I mean, and and I should say, like when I saw it as a white kid growing in the suburbs, when the movie finally came to the town and country theater in Arlington Heights, <laughs> Illinois, you couldn't get further. You can't get yeah. more white than that. Um, I was frustrated. <laughs> yeah. I was frustrated by the ending. Like I was kind of like, huh? Yeah. Wait a minute. I thought I'm. I'm kind of used to the message being given to me in this nice way. Or, exactly. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm used to the takeaway being done for me, and now I'm like, well, I don't know. I thought Spike Lee was a good guy, but at the end, he seems like maybe he's not. I don't know. And like I wasn't used to that, and it frustrated me. But the more I watched the movie, I was like, you know what? That's the way it should end. That's yeah. absolutely the way it should end. As everyone looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the, 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 the two words I think are crucial that you, you guys have both mentioned talking about this movie are uh, energetic and ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when the movie relies on its ambiguity that it's at its best. Uh, the energy comes with the territory. Uh, when it's ambiguous, I think the movie works exceptionally well uh, but Spike Lee has had a history throughout his career of pounding it over the head yeah, yes definitely and there are I moments I don't mind it from him I, not, I mean, not all not every the time movie, not, but, I mean, but like there's 25th hour he does yes but I, I think like that scene where Edward Norton is talking in the mirror amazing is you know I think is almost an encapsulation of do the right thing yeah in, in many oh, ways yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and you get it in five minutes as opposed to two hours so, there, but there are times in this movie where it's like he does do that a little too much for my liking, mm-hmm. uh, and it takes me out of the movie uh, because I think that when you have the ambiguity of you mean like, like the addressing the camera moment, mm-hmm. like uh, you know everybody saying racist terms. No, because that's kind of like the Edward Norton stuff. Because that yeah. stuff, because that that's, stuff happens, yeah. you know. So I don't mind that. But there's sometimes where I think that he is kind of like making you lean certain way like when there's the idea of the central premise of the movie where Danny Aiello owns the pizza restaurant he only puts Italian Americans on the wall I don't think you're meant to believe that he's racist because he puts Italians on the wall no. it's his restaurant yeah. and he's Italian yeah. so that's, if he yeah. wants to have a pizza place with Italian celebrities yeah. and famous people that's his thing in the same way that if any black man wants to open a restaurant and put fine so the ambiguity the ambiguity of that that john 
Esposito is the one that starts the shit, basically, over that, because he feels a repression mm-hmm. in regards to that, even though you, again, you understand both of their points of view. Absolutely. Okay. At the same time, he's the one that kind of starts the shit yeah. about it. Okay. Uh, and his own, I mean, and it's other black people who are calling him on it saying, why don't you apply that energy to something more useful? Who right. Cares yeah, about yeah, the yeah, 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 exactly. Right. You know? That's yeah. A, yeah. that one that when people, when there's an evenness yeah. to the movie, which the movie has a lot of. For I sure. think the movie is at its top. And then there are times where <laughs> that happens. And I'm just like, mm. you know, like I didn't, I, I've never been a fan of the ending mm-hmm. of the movie. I Not because I don't think he's a good guy or a bad guy. I think because it pushes us into an, a reality that a, a revolution type thing that I think Spike at the time, the younger Spike, was would have been fine with. You know, mm-hmm. and that's not the easiest interpretation of that aspect of it because i think that spike lee has grown out of that uh over time while still yeah. having while still maintaining the anger but you know like i don't know i, I want you know it, it there's a scene in south side with you the, the barack obama where oh, yeah that was you know good. where there's yeah. the really great scene where they go to see Do the Right Thing at the Music Box, and then the white people ask him, well, why did he throw it through the garbage can? And he comes up with this explanation, and then if our memory serves, and he goes like, I don't know, I just came up with that, or something to that effect. Like, So the, that uneasiness is stuff that I admire about mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it always, I, But I always get very uneasy watching the end mm-hmm. of that movie. But, but maybe that's, that's the point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, th- I, I mean, I do it think is. that's that's the point because it is, you know, 1989 and this is the movie that, you know, uh, I think a lot of people in that community really needed to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to end the decade. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be acknowledged that way with the Academy and all that, but that's a whole other bit of nonsense. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, but uh, this was not a movie made for us. <laughs> you know oh, God, I mean? no. No, no, so, no, no. I'm not yeah. implying that in the slide, No, I know obviously. you're not. I know you're not. But, <laughs> but like, uh, this is, you know, one of the most important films of the decade. Um, and one of the best. And absolutely one of the best. Uh, and But, yeah, but, I, I, but yeah I, you're meant to debate it. You're meant to not side with it a hundred percent. It's I, I, and I like that in this, in this year, in this particular decade that Spike Lee, his third time out, this is his third film um, went for that uh, and, and really, you know, challenged his audience and, and, and still called himself or still presented himself as a, uh, a filmmaker that does not compromise easily um, because his last movie was a musical about racism so yeah yeah anyway it's great it's great and uh yeah I, 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 it's so, really I, good i got to walk <laughs> i got to walk down the uh the street in brooklyn which was oh, pretty really? cool yeah. oh cool i got to see i was, was pretty at hot too that day <laughs> ebert fest a couple years ago when they played this and spike was there oh and yeah so that was that was that, that was yeah, pretty nice. that was pretty cool oh and one of the best opening credit sequences of yes. all time <laughs> Yes. Which absolutely. provides you with the obvious That's... way to open this whole podcast with that song. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course gonna, that. Yeah. Thank you got to open with that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I love Public Enemy. Yeah. I okay. Thought I thought you were going to open with the new edition song from Ghostbusters 2, but the, hey, whatever. <laughs> oh, God. No, it's Bobby Brown. Yeah, but he was a new edition, wasn't he? Yeah. So close yeah. enough. 
That's right. Remember that. Those clicks mean they're not recording anymore. I'm... Hello, everybody. This is your host, Jim Laskowski, saying thank you so much for listening to part one of our 1989 retrospective here on Voices and Visions and Directors Club. Uh, please stay tuned because there's, believe it or not, three more hours of podcasting featuring Colin and Eric and me talking about the year, the rest of the year of 1989. It'll be up in a couple days. Thank you. Yes! 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 Oh! Oh! Oh, yes!